equipment. Thank you. All right. The first item of business will be a call to order. Commissioner Gillespie. Here. Vice President Breslin. Present. Commissioner Benjamin. Here. Commissioner Netto. Here. Commissioner Pack. Present. Commissioner Suval. Here. Commissioner Tom. Here. We have a quorum. Okay, um, the next item will be staff report and commissioner announcements. Um, typically, I do a written staff report, as has been my custom for almost a year now, um, but because we did the annual safety hearing report uh, for this agenda and also due to the, the fact that um, we're trying to merge uh, this department with the MTA, as you know, March 1st is the deadline, I did not do a written staff report um, this time. So, um, you know, it's, it's been busy and with the holidays and everything else. So I'll just briefly note a couple things um, that are important. We have uh, three, um, after tonight, we have three meetings left. We have a meeting on January 27th, a meeting on February 10th, and a meeting on February 24th. And um, for the January 27th agenda, um, Commissioner Gillespie and myself, President Gillespie and myself have discussed the agenda and we'll be speaking about health care. We've already attracted a representative from Healthy San Francisco to attend and present at the meeting. Um, a point of uh, interest for companies to start thinking about is that actually um, under Healthy San Francisco, um, the fee is required to be paid under the HCSO for um, all employees which would include clerical employees, you know, obviously would not include independent contractors under the code. So companies need to start thinking about how many employees they have, and if they're not already complying with the HCSO, they will learn how to do so and hopefully begin complying uh, after the meeting on January 27th. On February 10th, uh, we will have the uh, second quarter uh, report for the Clean Air Taxi Program. Um, I hope to have some great figures to share with the Commission and the public on that and uh, hope to have some recommendations to go forward to MTA as far as ways we can improve the Clean Air Taxi program. Uh, we've been satisfied, very satisfied with compliance so far and with the administration of the program, although some companies I think probably um, are not as satisfied as we are with the administration due to the vehicle introduction form, but uh, we are, we've been very satisfied and we've actually been quite frankly thrilled with the, with the manner in which people are complying with the program and it's very gratifying to see that. And we'll talk about New York and some updates there and give you a nice report on, on the February 10th. And, of course, we'll have other items as we go forward. February 24th will be the last meeting. And um, in discussions with President Gillespie, um, we intend to uh, turn that into uh, a, uh, a maudlin display. No, just kidding. <laughs> it, won't be, it won't be a maudlin display. Um, actually, we intend to uh, highlight the contributions of the Taxi Commission for the past 10 years the contributions and the ways that the uh, industry has grown and contributed to San Francisco over the past 10 years. We'll invite all the past commissioners and all the past executive directors and um, my office will go over the record and highlight the accomplishments that each director um, made to the organization, to the office, to the industry. Um, we'll invite the mayor and we'll invite Mayor Brown and anyone else that um, we can think of. If people have specific people they'd like to see at, the, at this meeting, we'll invite them. Please get them to my office. And um, we'll also highlight for the public's benefit all the city employees, um, the departments and the work that's gone into this commission and this industry over the years. It's, it's not just this taxi commission and its office that um, contribute to uh, helping this industry and um, to, to doing its work. It's, there are many city employees, many of whom are, are unrecognized for their work and are um, loyal uh, 
you know, employees, soldiers, if you will, for the city. So we, we want to highlight their contribution and make it a really great meeting for February 24th. So did I leave anything out about that? Thank you for laying that out in precise detail. I think it's yeah. a very you know, doable agenda for our final three meetings. And I hope that our final meeting is uh, something to celebrate the accomplishments of this commission and that everybody who's been in this room over the last 10 years will uh, find it in their schedule to come and share it with us. So is there any, uh, I guess we're going to leave Sergeant Reynolds' report for the safety report probably. And just, do you have something tonight, Sergeant Reynolds, on her staff report? We just have one item of business um, before the safety report. Uh, there is an individual uh, in the taxi industry, and uh, um, this individual was revoked. Permit was revoked. A card was revoked by this commission, and subsequently by the Board of Appeals. Um, the individual was arrested on Monday evening. Um, it really strikes home some of the problems that we have with the, the um, lack of an ability to suspend permits while they're pending at Board of Appeals. Uh, because the person continues to operate and is committed further violations. It's it's really a problem. So just want to highlight that. Um, it's Mr. Rahimi. So I just wanted to highlight that. Um, Sergeant Reynolds actually sent me the report today, and we were both, frankly, very surprised and disheartened to see it. Um, basically, he got uh, stopped by a police officer on the 11th for uh, unsafe driving, making illegal maneuvers. Um, he did not have a driver's license with him. However, he did have an interned temporary one, which we later verified that was, in fact, legitimate. Uh, however, he got into another altercation with the police officers again. Um, the police officers have written a report where um, he became argumentative, he became um, abusive. Now, Mr. Rahimi claims that he was assaulted by the police officers. Uh, a sergeant was called out, an ambulance was called for him, and he refused any medical treatment. I spoke with him uh, today, and um, he is again saying that he is the complete victim in this. Um, we will probably be looking at additional charges um, for this event. Um, also, two hours afterwards, I get a call from Contra Costa County their um, uh, welfare fraud unit, and they are also investigating Mr. Rahimi and his wife for welfare fraud. So as I said, uh, it's been quite an eventful day with Mr. Rahimi. and uh, driving a private vehicle or a taxi? He's, he's still operating a DeSoto cab because um, uh, until this whole thing is adjudicated, the decision was made to allow him to work. Even when they go to the Superior Court, um, even when the city attempts to make the case that there might be public safety issues, um, the judges are, you know, they, they often will give them the permit back pending the action. And it's, it's, it's one circumstance where there's just a, a, I wouldn't say just, but where there's a situation where there's a driving requirement violation at issue, that, that doesn't really impact public safety in the same manner as the facts, we believe, the facts of Mr. Rahimi's case. It's really unfortunate. The reason that they effectuated the traffic stop is because he made an illegal turn and uh, it was apparently a very dangerous maneuver um, involving a traffic violation that he did. So this isn't a case where they were hunting for him or anything of that nature. This is it's pretty serious and it, it's just it's really a problem. So just to be aware of that. But I've been getting a lot of questions in the office about his ability to operate a vehicle and he is still authorized at this time in the city. 
So I guess even though this board has suspended him from driving and he's waiting the appeal, I guess he still comes under our jurisdiction then to investigate these new charges. That would be my understanding. What about DeSoto Cab? Can they do anything about it? Okay, have you contacted them and told them? I have, in fact, discussed some of the elements, not all the elements. As I said, this all happened this afternoon. What's their attitude about this? I mean, if he gets in an accident with a full load of passengers, why would they want him behind the wheel of a DeSoto Cab? I can't understand that. Commissioner, that I can't answer at this point. So that's all we have for now. We'll give a more full report on the other item. Okay. Any commissioner announcements? Commissioner Breslin? Yes, thanks. I just wanted to relay something that I experienced this last couple of weeks that shows to me the extent of outreach that our taxi detail is doing regarding lost and found items, and I hope that it continues even with all of the changes. I lost my cell phone, and I didn't know where, about six months ago. And I had insurance, so it got replaced, you know, and I didn't think anything more of it. But I lost all my contacts, which is terrible because I didn't back up word to the wise. But anyway, I got a call from the taxi detail that they had found my cell phone, and they were going through, and they went through the contacts and found mom. And so they called my mother in Boston to find out who this phone belonged to. But I'm just saying that I do appreciate the effort because I really did want my contacts back, and I hope those efforts continue. Secondly, before I actually say what I'm going to say, I want to say how pleased I've been to serve with so many dedicated individuals over the last seven and a half years that I've been on this commission. And I appreciate, as did our president, how you outlined our upcoming meetings. But I do have a concern, and I do want to express it right now, about the procedure for our recommendations going forward to the new venue, basically because, you know, I read in the paper a new medallion program that many of us have discussed, too, in the past. And I know that there are certain rules and regulations that are being considered at the MTA, even though we're still in the rules and regulations process. So I'm just passing out my concern about this, that we are listened to by the MTA, and that there is a formal venue for presenting the issues that we feel are important to pursue in the future. A lot of hard work has gone into this commission. A lot of public input has gone into this commission. And I would hate to have them duplicate the efforts over the years instead of gaining from some of our results and recommendations. So if that isn't on the agenda in the future, through the president, I know we only have three meetings left, but I would like to have some formal opportunity for these rules, regulations, ideas, concepts to be passed along to the MTA, such as even the one about the tax medallions that, you know, is something that we've worked on and would have liked to have been a part of that dialogue. Thank you. I'll just second all those comments. Okay. I'll make sure that Mayor's Office and MTA are apprised of that message. And certainly the final report, I forgot to add, that we do on the 24th, 
Um, we're required each year, each commission actually, by charter to produce an annual report. So it's, it's my intent that that February 24th meeting be a final report. So maybe at February 10th, any recommendations? Um, and I'll contact you each individually to gather your recommendations and present that in a special section. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, with... Uh, did you want to do consent calendar next or item uh, we five? We need to take public comment on oh. item two on the uh, staff report and the commissioner announcement. If there is any public comment on item number two, which we just had. Tariq, just come on up. We'll do this for one minute. <clears throat> if there's anyone else who wants to speak, just line up. Come on the screen, please. Oh, I see. Good evening, Commissioners. Tariq Mahmood. Safety, yes, it's very important. It's extremely important. Safety of the citizens, safety of anybody on the street, it's very important. But it should be not under discrimination. I saw with my eyes an incident a few weeks ago on Eddie and Webster. A one police car under undercover is standing there. A cab come from the side and on the sidewalk area, the parking section, stand there. The minute the light open, the cab flies. The cop goes after him and put the, the siren on, get the guy out, look at his ID, and then let him go. Who was that? That was UTW, Bud Hazelcon, doing this on the street. Almost he was going to kill the cop or hit the cop car. And the cop let him go because I think that's what is the discrimination about the color. Okay, thank you. Anyone else wants to speak? Well, I, can, I can give you an idea of why he did that. An unmarked car is not allowed to cite an individual. They can pull him over to check, see whether or not maybe there was a robbery involving that taxi cab. Once he's a legitimate driver, the unmarked vehicle is not supposed to cite anyone. Thank you, Commissioner Benjamin, for clearing that up. Sergeant Reynolds, would you like to follow up? If I can comment on that, that's absolutely correct. Um, undercover units cannot make traffic stops and issue citations with the exception of the taxi detail, uh, the vice unit, and um, narcotics. So those are the three exceptions to the rule. Thank you. Good company, huh? <laughs> right. It's like the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. <laughs> Okay, anyone else? Public comment? Seeing none, next item. Um, if it's okay with you, um, well, I see that the uh, the speaker just left for item five, but I guess we could just do item three then. I don't think item three should take too long tonight. Yeah. yeah. Okay, item three is a consent calendar. I have a special message. All matters listed here under constitute a consent calendar are considered to be routine by the commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. Um, just a couple of things about the consent calendar. Um, there are two items for which um, we would, staff would request that you waive notice on. Um, the first one is uh, an application for a color scheme change from Big Dog Taxi to Metro Cab. This is by no Nolly Paul Griffin. Uh, 
who I believe is here. Okay, just um, one moment. Yeah. And then the what, second... Uh, what item are you on? Okay, well, that's the thing. Um, I have... <laughs> you would have... Notice calendar? Okay. Yeah. What, what item on the notice calendar? Um, I'm sorry. It is item... Uh, item D2 of notice. D2. Nolly Griffin, 1135. Tamara, that app isn't up here for the other guy. Tamara, that application is not up here. The other one is an application for a uh, medallion. This was on the uh, calendar back in December 9th, Our city attorney has just informed me that, unfortunately, um, due to your prior uh, uh, procedures and due to no fault of staff, <coughs> again, this was a request by Mr. Griffin himself, due to the commission's prior procedures, according to the city attorney, if someone appears on the notice calendar, they cannot be moved up to the consent calendar. If, however, they do not appear on either calendar, they can be placed on consent calendar? No. All right. Let's have what, the opinion. What we've done in the past is place certain decisions on the consent calendar that weren't on the notice calendar the, week, the meeting before, and then when they came up on the consent calendar, waived the notice requirement because that is just a internal practice of the commission. The requirement that they be on the consent calendar or the regular calendar in some form is required by the Brown Act and the Sunshine Ordinance. Okay, well, this, so that, Mr. Griffin, unfortunately, I mean, it was his request, but he wanted to be heard today. And apparently, um, due to the Commission's procedures, that, that cannot occur, and there cannot be approval of it tonight. So um, that's, that's the story on that situation. This, I will allow a, a mom, I will allow public comment on the consent calendar if you want to speak on this. But for now, there's we, since it's published on the notice calendar, we can't consider it on our regular consent calendar tonight. The second uh, request was um, Mr. Mahmoud Rudsari. He was an is an applicant for a medallion. Um, he should have been placed on the consent calendar for tonight's agenda. He previously appeared on the consent calendar. In fact, in December 9th of 2000. And eight, is it okay for him to be approved this evening? No. So he will have to also be on January 27th agenda. Okay. okay. So that was the only. Um, uh, also, item E of the consent calendar by per, uh, request of the party's attorney has been continued to February 10th, 2009. Is that section E continued to 210? Correct. Okay. And all these people in item D, except for number seven, have paid their uh, renewal fees? Yeah, even Mr. Rashid, um, I feel like there's there's been more dialogue on that today. So I will not be, um, 
I, I'm going to wait till I resolve that issue tomorrow. Okay, so yeah. the entire section D is removed from the calendar. Yeah, and Tamara, you do you know anything about um, D7 at all? No. Okay, well, I'm going to remove. I'm going to continue. The, I'm going to. All these other people shouldn't even really. I mean, they've paid. They shouldn't even probably be on here. But the only question is D7, and uh, I'm going to just continue this. Through the, yes. the chair, uh, just a point of order. I just want to ensure that those that were not, um, we're removing them so so their medallions are not being held or suspended in any way. Not at all. Okay. All right. Not at all. Um. Okay, so I'll recuse myself from Section C, and uh, we'll take public comment now on the consent calendar. Is there any public comment on the consent calendar? Just line up for one minute. Good evening, Commissioner. Once again, Tariq Mahmood. I was not intent to talk about everything, but what's going on with these medallions? I mentioned before you need to set up some kind of system to look at that. I've been listening in the market how the fake waybills are prepared and how the people are getting through things. That's one thing. Secondly, economy has gone so bad, so bad, that we are at the 1932 depression. This is the time to stop these 32 medallion. My income has gone 50 percent down in the last few months. 50 percent. I'm the smartest guy. I hit all the corners. I'm not doing any success. Economy is enormously bad. This is the time not to send this 32 medallion into the market. I'm sorry for the people who will be suffering from it, but something needs to be considered. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else wants to speak? Seeing none, public comment is closed. I'm sorry. I just have another question on item number E. Um, That's being continued. To that February is 10th. continued. Okay, yes. thank you. To February 10th, all of Section E is or D has been deleted. I'm recusing on Section C. So all we're voting on now, right now, is Section A and B. Is there a motion? Motion to approve. D7 is continued to the 27th. Yes. Yeah. We have a motion to approve A and B. Is there a second? All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Those motions passes. Vice President Breslin, Section C. Yes, I, I, I'm looking for a motion to consider uh, to grant a color scheme change to Tai Hong uh, from Royal to Yellow Cab. I'll make that motion. Thank you. Second? Second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion passes. Thank, Thank you. you very much. That concludes the consent calendar. Next item. Okay. Um, if it's okay, we could take item five next. We have a guest. Yeah. We'll go to item five now. Okay. So I'll, I'll give an introduction of this item. Uh, we have a guest here. Um, so item five, as I'll call it, is consideration of uh, draft SFMTA motor vehicle for higher regulations. It's for information and discussion. And we have a guest, um, Chris Ayashi, uh, who is the new director of taxi and accessible services at SFMTA. So um, briefly, um, as you know, we've been working on this merger now for several years, but in particular, administratively, um, for the last year and Chris and I have been working together for some time um, and have a, um, a good understanding now of um, the framework of these rules and have uh, put together these rules uh, for uh, SFMTA's consideration and um, we obviously there's uh, a lot of public outreach that SFMTA is doing so 
that's why uh, this agenda item appears before you this evening. Um, just as a point of order, because this goes to uh, Vice President Breslin's comments before, the Rules Committee will be meeting again on January 30th and from 10.30 to 12.30. And so at that meeting, we will be um, having sort of a final meeting, a wrap-up meeting, and we can discuss the framework in which uh, you commissioners would like me to present your recommendations for rules that SFMTA should consider. I'll have limited time owing to the fact that on February 3rd, SFMTA is intending to make the final adoption, and Chris will go over the timeline a little bit more and any more remaining uh, public opportunities for public comment that remain on the um, official meetings that remain on the rules. Uh, of course, you can always email them to Chris if you have comments. Um, additionally, uh, I did include funding in the budget last year, and our budget will go over to MTA, um, for printing of new rule books. And we've discussed at Rules Committee that um, MTA should hand out the rules every time a, a driver permit is renewed. That's something for them to consider along with other recommendations. But the money to print the new rules is in our budget and was accounted for last year when I prepared the budget for you. So um, we will have that and we'll be able to, to print enough of them to make proper distribution because there will be substantial changes to Article 16 and the uh, rules and regulations that they currently exist. So, Chris. Good evening, Commissioners, Mr. President. Um, my name is Christiana Hayashi. As Jordana mentioned, I've been newly appointed since December 15th uh, uh, as an employee of the Municipal Transportation Agency. I was formerly their attorney, representing them um, from the City Attorney's Office for the past five years. Um, so here I am, new uh, in some respects to the taxi industry, although as Jordana mentioned, we spent a lot of time uh, when she was a client and I was an attorney going over these uh, rules and regulations and trying to put them together. Now, it is very important to the MTA and to me to open this up for discussion. So as I've represented to other groups that this, these things are not written in stone and um, we're here today to ask for your input as to these rules and regulations in order to make them the best they can be. Um, I'm looking for input from all segments of the industry. And so this is just one of my, one of my stops. Um, I, I tried to get around to the color schemes. I haven't made it to all of them yet, but um, we also presented it to the MTA board as a preliminary item for presentation and discussion. Uh, we went to the MTA's Citizen Advisory Committee and we're here today. We're going to have another workshop before the MTA board on January 27th and again a hearing on um, February 3rd as to whether to adopt these. Now, one of the suggestions that I have received along the way and I'm inclining to agree with it is that we separate the process issues from the other regulations and just adopt a bare minimum number of these res uh, regulations in order to ease the transition. So for example, um, issues about hearing procedures, about how the MTA board would um, interact with the taxi industry, we think it's quite critical to pass those along before March 1st. However, we do have the option of adopting your regulations uh, for the time being until we can, you know, put a stamp on our own set of documents. So by all means, I'd like to hear from all of you. Uh, if you would like me to come back to another meeting for a formal discussion, I'm, that's absolutely fine. If you'd like to uh, collect your recommendations and send them in written form, that's fine. If you want to do both, that's great. 
Um, I'm really collecting input, so please don't feel that uh, we're trying to do something uh, without the benefit of all of your skill and expertise. So the parts of the procedural regulations that I think would be most important to adopt are um, have to do with process again. One of the major changes from your existing procedure would be to have uh, all permitting decisions regarding individual permits go to a hearing officer and then go directly to the Board of Appeals. Um, we think that preserves the right for a hearing, uh, appeals, multiple appeals, without taking the time of the MTA Board to stamp every permit decision. So that's, that's one of the changes that we're considering. Another is with respect to the public convenience and necessity um, decisions once a year, that that would be a matter of MTA adoption of a policy decision in the form of a resolution, obviously following um, public hearing. But then that would not be a appealable to the Board of Appeals. And the reason for that is the Board of Appeals is extremely well constructed to handle individual permit decisions, not necessarily well constructed to evaluate the state of the industry and whether more vehicles are needed in the streets and what the level of service is to the public. So that, that's a proposal that I have that I hope will be an administrative efficiency for everyone involved. Of course, that a decision would remain appealable to the Superior Court. There are some other issues in these regulations um, at the front burner, and one of them is the uh, state law requirements with respect to issuing a driver permit, and that would include such issues as drug testing, uh, turning in the permit when you're no longer employed. Um, I think that those are the two most controversial requirements that are reflected in state law. We are looking closely at the drug testing issue um, we certainly don't want to do something that is not, a, is not workable or is not a good fit uh, for San Francisco um, while we still want to comply with state law. So we're feeling our way through that drug testing issue still. And we are also looking at, um, a, a number of people have raised the issue of when, when do you terminate employment if you are an A card holder um, for the purposes of state law. And a lot of a lot of drivers go from color scheme to color scheme, so we certainly don't want to transfer color schemes to mean that they've terminated employment with one color scheme and have to turn in their permits. So we're trying to be sensitive about that issue as well. So you have a copy of the regulations, I think. So we, we encourage you to have a look at them, and please, by all means, um, let us know what you think about anything and everything. I, I really want to incorporate people's thoughts and comments. And that concludes my presentation, if you have any questions. One question, if you don't mind. Um, I was thinking about that drug policy. Uh, what is the current policy with the Muni? What, is, what do they do for their drivers? If you're involved in a... Uh, vehicle accident involving bodily injury, I assume that it's mandatory. The Muni policy uh, complies with the Department of Transportation regulations, and those are the same regulations that are included in that state statute that's supposed to apply to the taxi industry. Uh, it involves random drug testing um, and uh, post-accident testing. Is it enforced now? Yes. Okay. Uh, are there any other commissioner?
comments. I'll just make a couple of comments on that. Uh, first of all, I appreciate you coming here tonight, Christiane, and everyone. This is uh, someone that you all need to meet because she's going to be dealing with our issues in the future. And uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of us only got this with our package uh, this week. And so, as you understand, we've had a rules committee that's been meeting for several months that Vice President Breslin is the chair of. And I think we're all going to want to go through this. I didn't see anything that really you know, stuck out at me tonight that I wanted to raise questions on, but I do want a chance to, to go over this a little bit more thoroughly for the next two weeks and, uh, you know, have a chance at our committee to to really come into it in detail. I'd maybe, along with Vice President Breslin, invite you to attend our, our last rules committee. I don't know if that's something that you'll be able to, to do or not, but I think it might be available because it's more of a, it's a more informal group, but we can be a little bit more detailed in our discussions of things than we are here, so... That's all I'll say at this point. Commissioner Onetto? Yes, I, I, I just have one question, please. On, on the application forms <coughs> section, now that is going to go forward before March 1st, correct? That would not be one of the parts that I would consider to be urgent uh, for the transition because you already have procedures in place. And uh, that's leading to my question is the waiting list, is it going to go in whole to the – SFMTA of course. as it is? Of course. Okay. No, we don't contemplate any radical changes other than <coughs> trying to allow the MTA board to uh, g regulate this industry effectively, which um, in my mind does not include having to hear every single permitting decision. I would like that to be an efficiency for uh, the, the permittee, for um, for the board, for the public, um, that these this process just be shorter, more efficient, and um, conducted by people who are well trained to handle it. Thank you, Vice President Breslin. Yes, first of all, thank you for being here tonight, Chris. I, I, um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you about ready? Uh, go ahead. No, I thought you were saying goodbye. <laughs> no, I'm not saying goodbye. <laughs> 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 we're going to see Chris a few more times, I think. <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say I, I've been a proponent of uh, the merger for quite some time. Everyone knows that. I, I think it's important for taxis to be included in the whole transit first policy. Um, my remarks earlier were, were, were meant to just say we are working very hard here also on this end to assist this merger. And I, I wouldn't want uh, the hard work of the public and the the industry and these commissioners to fall by the wayside. So I appreciate your comments of inclusion. And I, I think I'll discuss with the president. It may be a good idea for you to come to that last rules meeting. But we'll have to ensure that it's worth your while as, as well as ours, you know, to, to have you there. Um, secondly, um, already, though, I do like the fact that goal number one, being the um, holder of the hospitality seat here, that goal number one is customer focus. And I do appreciate that being right up front. And I would like to um, maintain that <laughs> priority there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Since the uh, issue was raised of the story that was in the Chronicle this morning, do you have any comment on that? It was not my intention to make any radical change as a part of this transition. Um, a proposal has been made. Um, it's been advanced by the mayor. Uh, apparently the Charter Reform Task Force is going to come out with something in writing. I haven't seen any kind of detail. I, I can't react to something I haven't seen. 
Um, and again, I consider myself a consensus builder. So if there is such a proposal and we're, um, we're faced with uh, looking at it, I'm certainly going to be shopping it around to all members of the industry so that we can um, address it uh, with the benefit of everyone's experience and insight. Thank you. And I think we all sort of feel the same way that we haven't I found out about it by reading the paper this morning, and I haven't really seen a proposal, so it's hard for any of us to really comment on what the substance of it is. Um, <clears throat> but it, it would be a major change in this industry and a major change in the way people have been living their lives for many years now in certain uh, ways, and I think it would be something that you want to really think through before we go through with anything like that. So. Are there any other commissioners that want to ask questions before we go to public comment? Okay. May I just respond on that yeah. one issue? Uh, we certainly will be looking uh, at this situation with uh, all sensitivity toward vulnerable populations under these circumstances. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to take uh, public comment now if there's anyone who would like to comment. No. Go ahead. Uh, one minute. I think it should be understood that these proposals are just that, a draft of proposals. By no means are they the permanent final file going anywhere. And I think uh, the new incoming director has made probably a partial attempt to put these rules and regulations out before the taxi drivers, but it's not a full attempt by any means. I think she's dispatched a pile of these to various taxi companies. But I suggest that you go to the airport and hand out 1,800 copies to drivers basically that have their lives affected by these proposals. And the proposals will relate to their income. I think uh, one of the previous um, speakers uh, earlier stated that income is becoming dismal in this industry right now. You've put out enough cabs probably to last a decade into this major downturn. And I think these proposals do not address the income of the driver properly. So the driver should be informed. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Good evening, Thomas Josh Williams. Uh, yeah, the orientation on the customer, very well. How about the orientation for the driver, the quality of life for the driver, or a bill of rights for the driver, protecting us from abuse of <coughs> companies or customers? <coughs> that needs to be in there. It says our A-card gets terminated if we are not employed. We are not really employed right now. How about if we drive at two companies? Right now, my ACAT states green cab. What if I want to drive also at yellow cab? Do I need now two ACATs? I don't know. Uh, so there are many questions open, but the main focus should be on the quality of life for the driver. Thank you. Thank you. Jane? As you know, I was a member of the Taxi Advisory Group, and one of our recommendations was that you not 
institute wholesale changes in regulations but keep regulations as they are for the next six months after the transition. I'd like to call your attention to the fact that no job is as easy as it looks, especially a difficult one. You have an awful lot of things on your plate transitioning from the Taxi Commission into the MTA, creating bodies such as the Taxi Advisory Group. At the same time, we're also instituting the debit card program, and we have a new executive director coming in. You want to institute things like drug testing, which we've ignored for 10 years, and all of a sudden we have to have it. Let's just kind of go slow a little bit and think very seriously about how much you want to put on the plate of the new taxi group. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Please come up. If anyone else wants to speak, I want you to be ready to speak so that we don't have to wait. My congratulations to Christiane Hayashi on her appointment. This is a really impressive appointment to MTA. But I'll get right to the document. First of all, if it was in so many months in preparation, I think you should have seen it before anyone else saw it. I just was confused as to why it got to MTA and then to MTA's Citizens Advisory Group or Council before you saw it, because there were some important changes and they've been talked about. So let me get to those two changes. I said before that the Board of Appeals in this document, I think they should be taken out of the process of ruling on whether taxi permits, how many there are for the City of San Francisco. They're just not prepared for that item. But removing the MTA from deciding whether some driver's permit should be revoked or an owner's permit should be revoked is a really crucial step that the MTA should have to take up when they want to make that type of decision. Thank you. Thank you. Did you ask both of your points? Those were your two points, right? I would have liked to talk about the second point much longer. Okay, I can't do that right now. I understand that. I intend to re-agendize this for our second meeting of January. This is the first time we're going to have a chance to look at this. I intend to re-agendize it for another discussion on the rules. And we'll have more chance to look at these rules. As well as a detailed discussion during our subcommittee rules committee before MTA board votes on these in February. All right. Hi, Barry Korngold. You probably know me by now, but I've been a cab driver in the city 20 years and cab driver longer than that in the Bay Area. I guess the most important thing to me, I've read through most of this thing. I haven't finished it yet, but there's a lot of little items that I agree that procedural things maybe can be changed as the taxing commission moves into the MTA. But I think it's a big mistake and kind of a slap in the face of the industry to change any ordinances as it moves into the MTA without it going through committee. We were promised that there would be a taxi advisory council, and a lot of these changes look like they could go through without even being discussed. And that would also ignore the rules committee all the times that people have been meeting for that. So I agree with Commissioner Breslin that 
it's important that we don't just throw aside all the work that's been done toward these things already. Thank you. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Mm, you got it. Good evening, Commissioners. In the last MTA meeting, Citizen Advisory Committee, we were there on these rules. They discussed this matter and they say 77 pages are full of codes, and they decided they're not going to approve it. They said it needs more further discussion. That's one thing. First of all, we welcome Chris Hayashi. We hope that it will be consensus builder and she will be very helpful to the industry. Now the thing is, I request you to establish, our, because there's a time vacuum game going on <coughs> between this issue, a special taxi commission meeting for the whole day, because these rules are so many, and some of them are very interesting. One says, every car brake should be inspected every day by a certified inspector. So please look into this. There are so many things to be cleared over there. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Can I ask a question? Yes, um, Mr. Sewell. I just was curious to know if the um, concerns with the composition of the Tax Free Advisory Board had been addressed sufficiently. I, I don't know if she's left this. Yeah, I think she has. Um, the MTA Board will have to consider the Taxi Advisory uh, Council or group or whatever the, the name ultimately that's developed. They'll be considering that at future meetings, is my understanding. That issue, that is. I, I will just say that I hope that there will be a taxi advisory group and that that idea is not abandoned and that recommendation is not abandoned. Well, I know that there's the driver's representation was a question. There was not only that question, but now there is some question as to whether there will actually even be a taxi advisory group, and I think it would be a mistake not to have that group. Okay. Okay. Next item. Uh, the next item will return to, to the regular agenda now for item four, which is the annual safety hearing as required by Municipal Police Code Section 1147.3. And I'm going to go down to the regular microphone, and Sergeant Reynolds and myself will make a presentation. Okay, so uh, let's see. I'll give a brief uh, introduction for this item, and um, Sergeant Reynolds is going to assist me in the uh, presentation of, uh, of material when he comes inside. Um, so, uh, as part of your packet, as item four, you have a report um, regarding the safety hearing. This isn't a uh, statutorily required hearing, so uh, technically we should have had it in December at our December meeting, but it's okay if we have it a little bit late. Uh, so I'd also like to point out, I don't believe our overhead projector is working today. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to point out that I do have, uh, I forgot to include some information from Lieutenant Schlotz, so I'll go over that in a moment. She wanted me to uh, include that as part of the report. Um, Basically, uh, just as an overview, um, oh, and also uh, Sergeant Reynolds has some uh, additional traffic statistics, which we were not able to have in time for the packet last week, 
And um, I gave you an updated uh, copy of the 311 statistics, which is a little bit more legible than the one that you um, previously had. It, it uh, gives a better depiction. That's the last page of the report of the types of complaints by category, when they occurred, et cetera. And we'll go over those a uh, little bit more um, in a moment. So just as an overview, um, before Sergeant Reynolds talks about some more details, um, we had some major safety initiatives in 2008. We worked on illegal limousine enforcement. We focused a lot of resources on that. Um, it's, we, we know it's a significant problem, and we know that the efforts that we made, um, despite them being as much as we could do with, with a variety of bureaucratic hurdles to deal with as far as obtaining officers to work on the overtime and the city's overtime budget as a whole and a lot of other factors, we, we think that we uh, were able to make an impact. We know it's not enough. We, we, frankly, we admit that. We know that every day illegal transportation is out there, stealing fares from drivers, stealing business from the local economy. It's unacceptable, and we believe that... Uh, there are significant things that need to be done around that issue, some of which we outlined. Um, really, a person needs to be dedicated to work on that issue and um, just come up with some great plans for that. It's, it's a multi-jurisdictional problem, and it's a multi-jurisdictional solution that needs to be developed. Additionally, we were able to improve service to both AT&T and Candlestick Parks, particularly Candlestick Park. It's just incredible the way that drivers responded to this commission's call for service. We made that call last year, in, uh, rather in 2007 we made that call and it was answered and drivers, several drivers won awards um, and won the raffle that the 49ers were generously, uh, that, that they generously held. Um, but even drivers that didn't win anything and kept going back, that, that, is, that is a commitment to the city and uh, to the 49ers even if they don't have a commitment to winning, but anyway. Sorry, couldn't resist. Uh, so then the next um, thing we were able to focus on is uh, the clean air taxi program. That is a safety-related issue. It gets newer vehicles out on the roads, uh, hybrid vehicles, which are safer for the environment, safer for the public, and safer for the drivers. So we were happy to be able to focus on that. And we also focused on, as you, as you all know, we were able to focus on se several disciplinary actions which, in our view, succeeded in keeping some individuals out of the industry that are bad for the public and bad for the industry as a whole. Um, it, uh, it goes without saying that one bad apple destroys the bunch. And luckily for us, you agreed with that sentiment over the course of 2008. Uh, just to highlight a couple of things in the report um, before Sergeant Reynolds takes over. Um, with regards to 311 complaints, as you may recall, um, Commissioner Slaughter, when he was here, used to ask for these statistics. And he wanted to know, you know, what kind of uh, complaints are you getting? And, um, you know, when are they occurring? What are the most common types of complaints? So on the last page of the report, you'll find a table, several tables, in fact, four of them. And I gave you a fresh copy, uh, you know, that, that uh, is a little bit more legible as far as separating the numbers out. But it gives you the complaints by type and by month. And um, it's important to note that for the types of complaints, quite often when people call 311, uh, they will make a compound complaint. So they might call up and they might complain about the physical condition of a vehicle. They will also complain that the driver was rude to them. So the, the uh, service operators at 311 will categorize the complaint as a rudeness. Yes? Can you tell us where this 
311 data is? Sure. I'm, I'm I gave you a fresh copy on your... Uh, oh, it's on the table. Okay. Yeah, but it's also in the packet um, right before the uh, Agenda Item 5 page for the SFMTA rules. It's the very last page of the safety report. Okay. Yeah. So, again, uh, just, just to note that, you know, again, seeing types of complaints, people do make compound complaints. And um, we had, when, when I came into this position, we had a significant backlog of lost and found complaints and complaints as a whole. And due to the incredible work in the office of Danelle Carey, she's one of our staff members, we were able to really get a handle on this. And we've been working with 311. It's an amazing system. For anyone who has not called, don't call about a taxi, but feel free to call 311. And you can, there's a lot of information you can get about the city. Uh, if you have a complaint, uh, you can file one. And it's a great system. So we, we're able to track complaints. And this is, over time, this is really going to help MTA with their work. Because by categorizing the complaints, they can tell what types of problems are going on for the public. And um, it's, it's just really a great system. Um, I should note that a lot of the complaints we receive on 311, uh, with due respect to the public, occasionally we'll receive com um, complaints that we really can't do anything about. For example, I'm standing at the corner of O'Farrell and Powell, and a cab just ran the red light. Well, while that's important to note, without a medallion number, without anything, we can't really follow up with that driver. So we can't, you know, people are encouraged to note a medallion, and we do investigate the complaints. Uh, contrary to belief, we do not just assume that someone has made a violation. We do investigate them, and drivers have been admonished. But other times, we have dismissed complaints when we find that there is no merit to them, or we have not pressed on with any further, um, you know, complaints beyond simply investigating. I.e., we've declined to file a complaint. Uh, additionally, <laughs> uh, with lost and found, that's a significant issue, and uh, we hope that with MTA, with the merger, we can sort of combine the, the features because. Right now, um, the lost and found is just... What's really the difference between lost and found high and lost and found low? This was the old method that 311 was using to categorize the items. And we've, we are developing, we're in the process right now in phase three of a project to develop a new protocol for this. But lost and found high... Yeah. Dollar value. Certain okay. items like, uh, you know, a briefcase with um, special documents in it or passport. Um, you know, we've had, as, as any dispatcher in this room can tell you, there are amazing items that end up lost in a taxi. Um, I myself have viewed them and seen a pair of pants. Uh, you know, very interesting how the black jeans ended up in the cab, but they did. Um, you know, other times a trumpet turned up. There, there's all kinds of items, a ring. Um, you know, you can imagine it runs the gamut of human experience, uh, what turns up. So, um, but we're, we're in the pre process of recategorizing those, and we have a new protocol that we're rolling out. So, uh, okay, and then just one more thing. Um, briefly, um, Lieutenant Schlotz from Taxi Detail just wanted to highlight a few items. Um, she indicates that um, they are receiving 150 taxi cab complaints in Taxi Detail right now. Um, <coughs> Sorry. Uh, also, um, she How, wanted to get. What is that period? 150 per month. Per month. Yeah, on a monthly basis, um, because 311 is not the only way we receive complaints. I mean, we receive them from a variety of portals. We receive them from the airport. We receive them from members of the public contacting our office, tax detail, and then of course 311, the mayor's office, and through the mail. Yeah, to one of one or all of those agencies. So, um, in fact, I had one. 
about a uh, South City yellow cab that had uh, committed a violation and unfortunately I wasn't able to assist the individual involved with that uh, because we only regulate here in the city. Um, additionally, uh, she wanted to highlight the limousine enforcement and the out-of-town taxi or rogue slash bandit cabs. Um, she's proud of the activity taxi detail has done. Um, hotel enforcement. Um, she wanted to highlight that uh, white, white zone usage. They're attempting in taxi detail and utilizing the resources to get a handle on that. Uh, and then she also wanted to highlight that um, more taxi cab company oversight was conducted by taxi detail this year. Um, those were her comments that she wanted me to convey to you tonight. So I'll turn it over, turn the podium over to Ron, and then if any questions you have for us, we can take them. Thank you. Sergeant Reynolds, welcome. Good evening, commissioners, uh, guests, executive director. Um, I just want to follow up on a few a few comments with regards to um, our efforts with the limousine and the illegal taxi cabs. Um, if you look at the statistics for 2008, you'll see the first the first six months we made 42 limousine arrests and nine out of town uh, cab arrests. Um, because I have such a great crew and because they're really out there hustling, in the last six months we made 89 limousine arrests and 31 out of town. Every six months we're doubling our efforts. So we are hoping that it is getting the word out to the community, to the limousine industry, that this is not the city to come to and not follow the rules. We have made partnerships with the San Francisco District Attorney's Office. We now have four cases that are pending. Uh, they are increasing in number. They want training. They want to understand how the system works. So we have great cooperation with them. The Public Utilities Commission, we are doing great things and we are doing joint ventures now. They are looking for our support and we're looking for their support, again, to try to tackle these issues. The hotel industry is helping us out immensely. In the last six months, they've terminated two of their door persons for violating the rules that Commissioner Breslin helped start to set forward about the proper procedures and protocols for putting people in limousines versus putting them in taxis. So again, we're getting cooperation on that front. Um, it's a start. Uh, we're seeing more and more limousines out there, as has been brought up this evening, as the economy gets worse. They're going to come to San Francisco from all over the Bay Area to try to um, make a living and to impinge on our drivers, and we're going to fight them every which way we can. Um, with regards to, um, did we want to go into the camera issue? Um, I wish I could get better copies, unfortunately, and, and the overhead is not working. Oh, it is working. We had a case in December uh, involving a, ca a robbery of a cab driver that the Daly City Police Department is um, handling. I'd like to show you the camera, the photograph that we retrieved out of the Fairview system. This is one of the older camera systems. As you can see, you cannot tell one whether or not that is a head or a fingerprint. Also, can you tell what he is holding in his hand? This is the newer camera system that we have been talking about, and I just want to show you the clarity between the two different types of systems. So again, um, these are some of the problems we're having. 
Now, the camera system itself is supposed to have, if I can put that third slide in. The camera system itself is supposed to have a computer in it where it talks, where it tells us the date, the time that these photographs were taken. If you see on this picture, and this again is one being used, the date on it is 1-1-2000 at 0-0-0-0-0-0 hours. Apparently, these camera systems I don't even believe were in place at the turn of the millennium. So this system is not working. This photograph of the suspect is useless in court. So again, we have been emphasizing to you the problems that we've been having with these camera systems. This was one that looked in fairly good shape. There was nothing wrong with it in, in outward appearance, but yet this is what the data was that we received. So again, it's something that we want to bring across to you. When we find out the issues, we're going to present it to you. The camera systems, something does need to be done to correct this. Um, with regards to training and with the 311 system, we have continued our efforts of, of retraining drivers that get complaints. Uh, we are currently now bringing in two officers on overtime basis. They are handling a good portion of the uh, 311 complaints. Retraining, we're having a class anywhere from 40 to 60 people a week now. So we are going to continue to with the progressive discipline, and the first start of that is instead of punishing our drivers, we want to try to re-educate them on the proper ways to handle. Finally, I want to talk a little bit about the traffic statistics. Um, I just got the raw data this morning, so I apologize that it's not in your file. Um, I've only gone through these numbers once, so there may be some mistakes, so please bear with me. But the statistics tell us pretty much what we've known already. Our, crab, our, cat, cra, our cab drivers are much more safer than the average driver. For 2008, we had 200 and 253 total accidents involving taxi cabs. Out of the 253, 122, the cab drivers, 122 of those, the cab drivers were considered most at fault. So that meant that 131, more than 50%, were the cause of other drivers. The breakdown of those accidents that the taxi drivers were most at fault were 47 were for striking another vehicle, 31 for pedestrians, 13 for bicyclists, 11 for motorcycles, 7 for trucks, trailers, 3 buses, 3 fixed objects, and we had one report of an animal being struck by a taxi cab. There were six others that not, did not fit in any of those categories. There were, um, I think there were 43 hit and runs, which almost 90% of those were the cab was hit and they were the victim. Um, and then finally, and I didn't produce, I didn't bring that fact, um, I have not been able to tally, there were no deaths reported last year, uh, and I will have a number, I think it's about 200 plus folks that were injured in these accidents. So I have not been able yet to break down um, injuries on what side, whether it was the driver, the taxi drivers being at fault or the other person being at fault. So unless you have any questions, that pretty much uh, concludes my uh, okay. presentation. Thank you very much, Sergeant. And Jordana, thank you. Are there Actually, any questions from yeah. Commissioners? Commissioner I had one question for uh, Sergeant Reynolds. Um, you mentioned the city attorney is now involved in a number of uh, cases 
Um, are you at liberty to say what type of cases he is pursuing? Um, or I'm sorry, the district attorney, not the city attorney. Oh, not the city attorney, yeah. the district attorney. Okay. All right, thank you. Then I don't. Okay. We had had a t we had had a time there where no cases were being prosecuted, and we're back again to prosecuting cases. Okay, that's fine. City attorney caught caught my attention there. <laughs> I'd like to follow up on the camera issue if I could for a second. I don't know if that's what you were going to get to, Jordana, but I think, you know, we need to resolve this in some way. Uh, was this this these faulty pictures? Was that a Raywood, the the defunct camera company, or was that a? No, it was a silent witness. Silent witness. Yeah. And we, you know, um, I've been talking about the new camera specifications for a long time, as you know, and I was going to roll them out in August. And I didn't do so because I knew that this merger was coming. And MTA has significant technological uh, improvements that it uses. In fact, um, it's considering a number of solutions. And of course, everyone knows that one of the ideas being considered under state law would be a camera on the front of buses to capture uh, double parking. Um, which has not yet been adopted, but you know something under consideration. They have uh, significant purchasing power for cameras, and I'm not making any promises on behalf of MTA, but certainly it would not be um, prudent of me to adopt specifications prior to any merger where we can determine once and for all what types of benefits can be obtained as far as purchasing technology and new technology that's in the works, et cetera. So that's why I declined to adopt them. So just, just for the record. I think the point that I was making is that we have an existing rule and regulation that requires each and every taxi to have a functioning camera. And so notwithstanding what might happen in the future with MTA, you know, there's it's just it's unacceptable that we have people who, vehicles out there that have cameras that aren't functioning. So it really is. Uh, I, I mean, what, what my recommendation is um, for MTA, just as a, as a, you know, as an administrator, as an executive director, is to prioritize this issue after March 1st and to really figure it, figure this out quickly. Because yes, we do need to get functioning cameras in every single taxi cab. People with Raywood cameras have been on notice for months. So anyone with a Raywood camera. When you say that camera, they've been on notice, are they replacing those cameras? To my knowledge, they have not. But I also haven't, you know been in there asking every day. I mean, I lo I've looked back at the records of what went on in 2002 when the, this program was first adopted. It took significant work on the part of director, oh, then Naomi Little, now Naomi Kelly, to get this program into place. Significant work on the part of the commission and significant work on the part of staff. People just would not comply. It took months, almost a year, before people finally purchased them in, in accordance with the commission's requirements. So. Obviously, that that's not acceptable. When these are obviously a deterrent to crime, as evidenced by years of statistics. So, again, it, it's something to prioritize right away. Well, the deterrent effect is still there with a non-functioning camera, but the evidence is not there with a non-functioning camera, and that's what we need—both deterrence and evidence. And so, you know, I, I agree with you that this is going to have to be prioritized by the MTA, and uh, really need to get on top of this in a way that makes certain that these things are working and we just don't find out after a crime that has been committed that they're not working. I'll also state that um, I did set up the office so that we're ready, the office is ready once it merges to begin administering and testing cameras for the new specifications once they're developed. So the program's already in place, it's just ready for adoption. And as far as, I mean, I know that this will be someone else's decision, but I, I hope we're not going in the direction of video surveillance and audio surveillance because I know that's 
that's not something that we ever intended in this commission. It was intended to be a something that was deter and provide evidence in the case of a crime and not to... I know some jurisdictions love just monitoring their drivers and their passengers, and I don't think people would go for it in this city, so I hope that's not the direction that we're going in. That's all we have for the Okay. Report. Any commissioner questions before I go to public comment? Okay. Thank you very much. Take public comment now on the safety report. If there's anyone that would like to, I'll allow two minutes. Well, I realize safety is shifting slowly from the driver's safety to the public safety. Um, the driver safety part, very interesting, a blurry picture is a not functioning camera that thing needs to be replaced. The airport GTO still does not test the cameras. They don't use their computer or laptop if they have it or if they don't have it, I don't know. They don't check the cameras if they work. So that's a big issue that needs to be solved by you or MTA. Another big opportunity so far missed is uh, a GPS system that comes with a debit card. A real safety future for the driver would be emergency button that triggers somehow emergency light with the position at the dispatch or at the police department. That would be a real improvement for driver safety. Don't forget, the economy is tanking, crime will go up. So, thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Very briefly, I would say that uh, this industry, particularly myself, I cannot thank Officer Reynolds enough for what he's doing. The word is getting out. Limousine drivers, drivers coming into this city from other municipalities are becoming very aware of what the police department is doing in San Francisco. So I thank Officer Reynolds for that. I think it's a big point to be made. Secondly, I feel that the mayor's off-spent energy on the hybrid vehicle, once again, is one big mistake. I saw in the Financial Times just here a week ago that the price of these uh, hybrids in terms of the price of gas now, they have collapsed almost 75% as the price of gasoline comes down as repairs go straight up from their first year on. Even the mayor's picked up a hybrid uh, vehicle that gets 22 miles a gallon. The bigger the vehicle, the less the mileage. It's that simple. I think this committee should have gone on record promoting a diesel vehicle as we move into MTA, which all diesel buses, the Volkswagen has a Jetta that gets 50 miles a gallon out on the market right now. Liberty, who was made by Chrysler here in the United States, gets about 37 miles a gallon. It's a diesel. It can be converted to biodiesel. That's the direction we're going in. We're not going in the direction of a high-priced hybrid with a battery that costs three to $7,000 after three years of, uh, of usage once it has to be replaced. Last but not least is that I think the statistics on uh, accidents by drivers for the most part, I would say probably off the top of my head, are, are the turnover in the industry is 30, 40% a year. Most of these accidents are by drivers who live at home, live in a commune, or live in a situation where they're just looking for income for six to seven to eight months. I think if the statistics break down to that or show something in that relationship, you'll see something more evident is that the more experienced driver 
the less the number of accidents. Thank you. Thank you. Jane. Looks like we did pretty well. Uh, I figure that uh, conservatively our drivers take something like 12 to 13 million rides a year. And according to the 311 report, there are 1,310 complaints of all kinds against taxi drivers in San Francisco, which comes out to a complaint rate of something like 0.000889% uh, per uh, vehicle, uh, or one complaint per vehicle per year, which is pretty enviable, I think. Um, when we talk about cameras, um, when I was at National, uh, there was a, uh, a crime against, uh, committed an assault against a driver. Uh, the uh, information was downloaded by somebody um, who was evidently not adequately trained, and the evidence and, and the evidence was compromised. Uh, you have one picture, and I think that one picture tells its story, but it doesn't tell the story. Uh, what we need to do, instead of thinking in terms of a wholesale uh, uh, replacement program, is let's see what, what uh, on a case, on a camera by camera basis, which probably could be done during the inspections, what is the actual state of these cameras? And also, uh, it would be very good to know what training uh, do the people who access these, this camera information go through? Because this information can be fairly easily compromised, as I understand it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jane, for your work 10 years ago on the safety committee that came out of the Taxi Task Force. It led to a lot of the, led to this hearing being recommended to have every year, and the cameras and some of the other ideas. And Rua Grafis was also on that committee. So, Rua, thanks you for your work. Bob Franklin. And yourself? I was on that. Anyone else would like to speak on this very important topic? Martin? Community Commissioners, the uh, one thing I wanted to mention about the, the, the cameras and, uh, is that uh, there should be two or three people day, two or three people night, other than policemen trained to take these pictures because sometimes when we download them, we download clear pictures to see what they look after the, the fact. And sometimes when you pull the cameras apart, they, uh, they ruin the picture. So the Excuse me, Tariq, please. So, so the pictures are, uh, so if they're downloaded into a computer, that you, you get a different picture from the computer when it's downloaded directly into the computer. And also talking about uh, safety program, the, uh, in, at Luxor, we're, oh, we're, we're two years ahead of ourselves now with safety. We are, I think we're, right now we're almost 55% compliant, almost 60% with the uh, uh, green vehicles. Right on. Good work. And we'll have a full report on that before this commission expires, or not expires, but... <laughs> <coughs> Hang on, Rue. I don't think your microphone's on yet. Okay, try it now. I think cameras are a really good idea, especially if they work. But I think it would be a really good idea if we mandated 
separate front door and rear door locks in the cabs. Most of the time when the driver hits one button, that opens up all the doors. That puts the customer in control of whether or not they get in the front seat, and then you have to argue them out of that, unless they're disabled, of course, in which case they have a right to sit in the front seat. And if they're not disabled, then you've got to get them out of the cab. So if we just change one little thing, we, ha we have mandated already automatic door and, door and window locks. And I think we should add to that automatic door and window locks, the front seat locks <coughs> separate from the rear door locks so that people can't get into the front seat unless the driver specifically allows them to get in. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, good evening, Mark Ruberg. I'd just like to make a couple of suggestions uh, that perhaps might help um, if future occasions when these hearings are held. I think that there should be a little more um, continuity uh, from, from year to year in this. Uh, in other words, it would be very helpful to have statistics over a series of years, see if we're doing better, we're doing worse, if there are you know, more assaults, fewer, if uh, there are more uh, problems with passengers, uh, fewer problems with passengers, and really get a comparison so we can see if, if, uh, if progress uh, is, is being made. Um, I, um, I had one other point, and it's escaping me, so I think I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you, and I agree with you. And in previous years, we have had these kind of comparisons in terms of the crimes I think the data that we're getting from 311 now is pretty is pretty recent, and so I would make the recommendation, although that MTA, not only that MTA continues to hear, hold these yearly safety hearings, I think it's important tradition that we've started here, but also that the 311 data is year to year, and we can see trends, and that when the crime statistics of drivers' crimes and crimes committed against drivers are presented, that those are also presented year to year. So I think that's a good idea. Anyone else? Okay. Uh, Peter Witt, Yellow Cab, 20 years, native San Franciscan. Um, you know, I think uh, I think uh, going into the MTA, being in the MTA's hands, is a safety threat to drivers. Personally, um, I was wondering uh, if you guys know about the top lights of taxis yet. Something that, you know, we've had, us drivers have had a problem and we've been bringing this to the commission for years. And before that, the t taxi task force by the Willie Brown, we discussed it there. The top lights of a taxi. It's very hard, you know, when you're doing a survey to tell if there's a customer in the car or not. Um, it's a safety hazard for the pedestrians. It's a safety hazard for the drivers who freak out when they hit a pedestrian. Okay? It's not their fault. They come at us drunk, they come at us cussing, and they swear, you know, and they beat on our cab, actually hit our cab, and out in the middle of the street. All right, it's been an ongoing problem. Uh, now, I was wondering what the low cutoff rate was for lost items, because when taxi cab drivers get ripped off, there's no response for that. I think that should be a, a problem. 150 or so complaints uh, compared to 
last year? Do we have any statistics from last year or the year before that or the year before that? And by the way, do we have any compliments? Because that should be a part of, well, the complaints. Um, and um, we have new protocol. Well, why all of a sudden we have new protocol? I don't understand this sudden change. Uh, and, um, well, anyway, thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, Commissioners. Tarek Mahmood. Thank you, Sergeant Ron, for doing all this. Your efforts, arresting the drivers, taxi drivers, citing them, a lot of complaints against them, at the same time with the limos. But we request you that all your efforts we appreciate, but could you please speed up something against limos? There's no hotel in the city. Even there are private places, private buildings, on Mission and uh, Main, on Battery Street in front of Levi's, on 150 Spear, there are limos sitting there on red, on red zones and on fire hydrants. Just to get the people coming out with a bag to get the airport, they are not scheduled people over there. So if you start going after them, we'll appreciate there are maybe 20 different places where the limos are sitting in the city. We do appreciate your all efforts. Sometimes we criticize you too much, we agree. But at the same time, you are the leader, and we look towards you to help us. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. So I guess this should really be addressed to the MTA now, but I just want to point out that I think maybe somebody's watching on TV, I don't know, but... Um, I think it should be noted that when there's too many cabs or drivers aren't making any money, they drive a little more erratically, they're a little less careful, and so it's not safe to put too many cabs out, and that's why they have the PCNN hearings. And I, I guess this was another item. I don't know how long it would take to appeal that to the um, Supreme Court, but that's a concern of mine, and I wanted to point that out. Also, um, what Emil said about the longer-term drivers, I think if you were to break these statistics down to, you know, drivers who've been only driving two years and drivers who've been driving over two years, I think you'll find the accident rate goes way down for the older, long-time drivers. And that's why it's good to keep drivers in the industry and make it an industry that people want to work in and not make it a cheap labor industry um, going forward. And then the, the one last thing I wanted to say about the limos, I'm glad that more limos are getting busted, but it's still the rampant. And at the airport, it's just out of hand. I don't know if Sergeant Reynolds has anything to do with the airport, but um, almost every time I come up, there's like three limos soliciting people or town cars. The police will come and they leave. I mean, they know they're, they're acting illegally. They have people in the luggage soliciting people. People get in my cab all the time and tell me they were solicited for a cab inside. So, um, I don't know, this has been said a thousand times, but I just figured I'd say it again. Thank you. <clears throat> Commissioners, uh, thank you for all these uh, years. I guess we still have some uh, couple meetings left, but um, I've been coming to these for, for 10 years. Uh, I guess since the beginning. Um, I have two comments, um, both uh, relating to uh, 
drivers. I think one is when we look at complaints or we look at different things regarding cabs and drivers, got to also then compare that to how many trips. And I was just estimating in my mind, I felt conservatively if we have 1,000 shifts a day with 500 cabs, and if you had 12 to 15 trips on an average, you're going to have close to half a million trips in a month. And so that's a lot of trips. And so when somebody said, geez, we had 100 complaints or something, I think we need to also say how many taxi trips went along. And I think our drivers really do pretty well, and we need to be concerned about those complaints and follow up and do something particularly about the egregious ones. But I think overall they do an excellent job. The other comment is to do with limos. And I can just give you just a general comment about it. I think if we solved the limo issue, there would be enough increased business out there that we could probably have 2,000 taxis in San Francisco and spread out and do fine. But I think the limo business is really having a huge impact on the drivers right now. And how, you know, the airports, I heard someone say today maybe they should have a lot for limos like they do for taxis so they could be watched over and regulated that way. I don't know what you do in the city. I think Sergeant Reynolds is doing all that he can. So I don't know if we go through a laborious thing of bringing them from the state into the city's regulation like they do in New York. But something really has to be done because I think that's the biggest effect on driver income right now, besides the economy, is the effect that the limos are having on the drivers. Thank you. I agree. That's the comment that I made to people about the meter increase that didn't happen, was that if we enforce the limousine laws and drivers, the legitimate drivers got some of those fares back, there would be any reason for a meter increase. So I disagree that it would be enough for 2,000 taxis, but I agree with your point that that is a great source of money that's out there that unfairly is going to people that aren't playing by the rules. Since we're hammering the limos, I'll put in my two cents worth. Yes, there are illegal limos during the day, but most of them through, you know, most of them are operating in a very small area downtown, and they're mostly on call to take airport rides or whatever that these hotels throw at them. It's at night that the limo problem becomes extremely severe due to the fact that at night you have many more restaurants that are not open during the day, many more nightclubs, many more even ad hoc parties throughout the town. And limos, what they do is they sit in front of these venues and wait for someone to come out, and then they start deal-making. And the deal-making usually will cost that person two or three times what a normal taxi fare is. And the people are waiting for cabs. They're trying to hail cabs, but it's maybe 1.30 in the morning to 3 a.m., 3.30. This is when this practice really goes into full force. And they get very impatient after a while, as everyone does, when they want to go home and get some sleep after they've been drinking for the last six hours. Not all of them, but some of them. So this is where the enforcement needs to be stressed. It is at night between 11 and 3 in the morning, and that is where we have never had any limousine enforcement in this city because, frankly, from what I can figure out, police officers like a 9-to-5 job like everyone else. It's just the problem is our enforcement has to come at a time of the night where limousines are violating the law right and left, and there's no way to stop them. 
the taxis are full at that time. It's always been rush hour at, at San Francisco on a Friday or Saturday night that taxis are full between 1 and 3 in the morning. And the limousines just will prey upon any, any group that happens to be in need of a taxi at that time. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Ron, do you want to follow up? Uh, my current team that I have now is working from seven o'clock in the eve six to seven o'clock in the evening to four in the morning, either Friday or Saturday night, every weekend. I have another team that gets off work at one in the morning and they work to six AM. So I have two teams that pretty much have been working every week trying to deal with those hours. So we do have them out there. Again, we only have two teams usually out there over the weekend. They could only make so many arrests. We've been getting six to eight a night. And quite frankly, unless we get more teams out there, we're just about at our max. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, thank you, Jordana and Sergeant Reynolds, for the report. We'll go to the next item, the uh, public comment. Public comment. Special order. <coughs> Can I see a show of hands Sorry. of people who would like to speak under public comment? Okay, I'll allow uh, three minutes. Please limit public comment to items not on the agenda. You can just line up anybody who wants to speak. So um, my name is Marai. I'm a medallion holder. Is your microphone? Um, is it on? Or yeah, I, just okay. speak close to it. All right. So my name is Marai. I'm a medallion holder and very uh, grateful for that opportunity. And I feel that San Francisco is one of the cities in the probably the city in the United States that's the most responsive to human rights, civil rights, and workers' rights, with the exception of older taxi drivers. And in that case, it's kind of brutal. And uh, if I had a magic wand, I think I could solve this problem. And my magic wand would be that that I feel the Daily Ma is working rather well. It seems that there are a lot of people on the list, but they're moving quite rapidly through the ones that don't comply with all of the regulations. So I feel that um, they could go back on the A-list, A-card list, and they could find drivers that have driven 30 years. There are a few out there that never avail themselves of the opportunity that's readily available to put their name down for a medallion and for some reason would repeatedly over the years still not put their name down, even though they could do it any time. But for that reason, I don't think they should be punished uh, just because they didn't, didn't do it or didn't want to do it for whatever reason. And I think that if every 10 medallions that went out, not, not 10 people on the whole huge list, but after you get 10 that qualify, like grandfather in this person that's driven 30 years, and then just a little bit at a time, it would be, you know, they're probably going through 300 names to get 10. They go through a lot of names. You get the 10 then, and then just one person, the one that's driven 30 years. Then you go through the next maybe 300, you get another 10, and then you put in another person that's maybe driven 25. But these people that have driven a long time have to also be full-time drivers and meet the requirements of the daily ma. And when this would happen, then all of the older drivers, whether they had a medallion or not, would be, then they would have eventually all have a, a medallion, and then they could be treated with perhaps a little more respect as regards to 
a disability situation. So if I had a magic wand, that's what I would do. And I think the city has enough power to take care of the people that have worked their hearts out in this industry and who love it very much. And I'm very proud to have a gay medallion because I think it is a great opportunity to treat cab drivers as professionals with their own small business. And I think it is an, an example of the heart and soul of how San Francisco perceives people in general. So thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. I'll be speaking on behalf of my father, whose application is still in process for the color scheme Vena Cabs. Uh, he was admitted from the agenda today. Uh, it's been my father's dream to own his own business for a very long time. And referring to last, the last commission meeting, he has very limited English and he's afraid of public speaking. So I'm going to reiterate what he was trying to say last time. Uh, my father was disappointed that he was not outright told by the commission that you were no longer looking for color schemes or new color owners. Um, on the contrary, he was helped by the executive director in choosing his colors and allowed to pay a $1,200 fee for application. And he also applied for the fictitious name and the business registration. As far as we're aware, there has been no previous incident of where a medallion holder was denied a color scheme based solely on the fact that he only had one medallion to bring to his color. My father is a U.S. citizen. I myself served four years in the Army, two of them overseas fighting this country's war. We want to believe that my father was not specifically singled out as a minority because of his inability to speak full, complete English. His English is limited. We hope that my father's omission from this week's agenda was a mistake and that it will be corrected in the next meeting. Thank you. If I may, through the chair, yes. will, will that be agended? I know we have a lot to do before the end of the year, but this was something that we were going to move forward on. I'm going to have to discuss this with our executive director okay. and familiarize myself with the details of it. All right. Next speaker. Evening again, uh, commissioners. Uh, I want to speak on behalf of Tom Wynn and his son Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim is going to be working with Tom to put this company together, and he's, uh, like he said, he served four years of the service, Afghanistan. He did some pretty heroic stuff there, and he's, he's in. I think the dream of Tam Wynn is to work with his son developing this company. So we should hear him soon. Thank you. Next speaker. Anyone else wants to speak under public comment? I'm going to close public comment unless everyone lines up to speak because we just can't wait for everybody to walk up from the audience. Thank you. There I am again. Um, same person as before. Um, I'm, I know that a lot of – I'm a medallion holder, and I know that uh, a lot of medallion holders disagree with me here, but a lot of them agree with me. And I, I'm going to second what Mariah just said about um, – San Francisco's unique and cutting edge as far as caring about the workers and people's rights a little more than other parts in the country. And that we, sh I'm ref kind of referring to the mayor's letter today that came out in the paper supporting, and Heineke's, you know, supporting uh, some kind of auction system for medallions. And I just want to 
say that I think it's a big mistake. It's not going to provide any better service. It's going to take the money out of the driver's hands or the new medallion holder's hands. And a large part of that money is going to go to banks and to the city to help with the budget crisis of the city. And I don't see why that responsibility should be on the cab drivers who are some of the lowest paid people in the city. We have no benefits. Even if you're a medallion holder, you're not one of the higher paid people in the city. You're still lower middle class. It's a fallacy that this is like some kind of gold mine when you get a medallion. You're still held to all kinds of accountability and having to work. So I just think we should value what we have, people who have K medallions or people who are on the list or people who aspire to get a medallion. And I totally agree with Mariah's point that there's a lot of drivers who've been driving a cab 20, 30 years, and they never put their name on the list for various reasons. There ought to be a way that they can insert themselves in maybe every 10 medallions or whatever it is. There should be a way so that longtime cab drivers have a way of getting a medallion and having some kind of better income. And then my ideal thing, if I could wave a wand, would be to have a limited driving requirement. So maybe after 20 years of driving, you either don't have to drive at all or you drive less. I don't see anything wrong with that. Once you put 20 or 30 years into an industry, you ought to be allowed to retire. And if all drivers had access to be able to eventually get a medallion, that would be a fair way to do it. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. Recently, about a few weeks ago, UDW filed a lawsuit against City Hall in federal court. It cost more money to the drivers. It is because City Hall, the city will hire attorneys and attorney cost to the drivers because that kind of expenditure will be covered by the drivers through the ACAR or BAS, something like that. Similarly, companies also hiring the attorney to defend that case, and it cost the more money to the drivers because companies' expenditure will come from the drivers' money, and the company will request the commission to raise the gate money to cover these kinds of expenditures, so that UDW is helping the drivers or killing the future of the drivers. It is remarkable questions. And it is very good to be a good taxi company like Elocab Company. Elocab Company is the best company in the San Francisco because Elocab has very efficient and professional managers like Hall, Nate, and Richard. They never file any complaint or they never file this kinds of nonsense lawsuit. The bottom line is, I will be good, you will be good. 
if you do, if you do good, U means UW. The other other side will be also good. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. <coughs> Um, I have not uh, gone out of my way to be critical of our mayor, and I've not gone out of my way to be very complimentary in the past. Um, nonetheless, uh, the announcement today was uh, a big surprise to me. I had always heard from the grapevine that the mayor didn't really want to do anything about the taxi industry that that was different and was kind of uh, was not interested that much in the transferability issue. So today's announcement came, came as a big surprise. And I have to compliment the mayor on finally, or at this point, seeing that there is a way of bringing this industry back to functionality, because we are quite dysfunctional. Uh, it, just this, this hearing room and this commission sees that evidently uh, every, every meeting. The, the amount of infighting that goes on. And what is this fighting all about? It's principally about these permits and who should have them and who should benefit from them. And when, and when different uh, individuals stand up here and talk about drivers this, drivers that, or permit holders, etc., um, well, I can, and, and about fairness, I can point to a huge group of drivers who would love to own a permit but are denied the opportunity to unless they want to wait 10 to 15 years. And then they can get it for free, but they're willing to buy it right today. And they've been driving three to five, seven, ten years already. They have, a, they, have, they, have a, a, they have saved a lot of money. They're capable of buying their own business. Oftentimes these individuals end up buying a business, but it's not a taxi business because they've been denied that because of this system that simply gives them out for free if you're willing to wait long enough. Finally, the city sees that there's an opportunity for the city and for these individuals who are involved already in the industry. Many of them are long-term lease drivers who are already paying um, the owner of cabs or cab companies certain sums on a monthly basis for operating their cabs. It gives these people an opportunity to use that money to buy their own business. This is a this this is now in practice in New York, and it's been very successful in New York. And I can see the the the, the that possibly in San Francisco, maybe not within the next couple months, but certainly within the next year or two, that we will put in a policy that ends this bickering that goes on in this room every other week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, Carl McMurdo. Um, the headline today, it's on the front page of the Chronicle, Mayor Proposes Auctioning San Francisco Taxi Medallions. And right near the end of the article, they quote Mayor Newsom saying, the timing is perfect, the city needs the cash, and the bidding process has worked elsewhere. Uh, I think for many years a lot of people have opined that it's poor public policy to give away a valuable asset such as a medallion. But it really didn't seem to be a front burner issue until the economic times have gotten to be as hard as they are now and the city is strapped for the cash. Um, I think that the mayor has offered his opinion on this now, and I think it's inevitable. Uh, the uh, Proposition K certainly has some wonderful sort of romantic ideology, the sort of socialist worker party 
that's ascribed to it whereby the senior worker earns the medallion and the person who set up proposition k i don't think really set it up to accomplish that purpose and as a result i personally see a lot of disintegration of the experimental law that is prop k that we have thirty seven hundred people on a slow moving list that we have no exit strategy major public safety problems and insurance liability problems things like that the mayor's office called me yesterday and asked help on a couple of fronts but these things have already actually been discussed for months at a time by a mac gonzales committee back in the year two thousand four and the goldman students studied it in two thousand six and the two concerns were to do something equitable for the current generation medallion holders and that can be done and the other was to not just not pull the rug out from beneath the people right near the top of the applicant waiting list and i do think even though it's illegal to advantage someone at an auction certainly there could be established a hiatus period in transition whereby maybe ten percent of the people on the list the ones who would have received a free medallion during the next three years can be accommodated thank you next speaker commissioners i i'd like to add to uh... the debate going on about adding people to the taxi medallion list in some shape and form i'll say this during the whole time that this commission has been here airing complaints you've run two sets of standards one for the pre-k medallion holders one for the post-k medallion holders the post-k basically are in a, a position where they have to wait an x number of years to get their medallion they wait until they're almost ready for retirement and then they get the medallion they almost get no benefit of it during their lifetime or two-thirds of their lifetime or one-third and that has to be addressed over a period of time because taxi drivers with no benefits whatsoever the medallion becomes an annuity and a benefit and at some point in time also is that even though you're going to be absorbed by the MTA it's going to have to be addressed that a medallion holder at some point in time will have a right to retirement at 62, 65 or whatever the age determined where you no longer will have a driving requirement whatsoever it doesn't make any sense having somebody drive at 75 just because he's forced to based on income and other factors so I think that's something that this commission has not addressed or is hidden two is this if you want to discuss the medallion holders on the post K list which seems to be the only issue at hand the pre K list has never really been fully audited in terms of who what and how they obtain their medallions in terms of what income they make on a monthly basis based on those medallions who owns those medallions on an official basis because some of them are covered by attorneys and various DBAs and that should be addressed because those medallions I think as you go into the MTA are the wild card the one where the MTA will have sole rights to either put them back on the list because whoever owned a medallion prior to pre-k over the past 38 to 40 years has probably made a 10,000 or 20,000 return on his money so the city is already absolved in terms of paying any kind of benefit to them but those medallions are very crucial for one reason there's no drivers for them the company pockets the difference between what the medallion holder is supposed to get and the driver makes. The biggest cash bonanza in this city. It's almost like a slush fund 
pre-K holders basically, in my opinion, control the whole business from A to Z, including this commission, and also have the ear of the mayor in terms of policies, gate and fee increases, etc. And I don't think you've ever acknowledged that. It's just if somebody brought it up as one big crazy idea, the man must be insane if he's even talking about it. I thank you for letting me bring this to your attention. Next speaker. Well, Thomas George Williams again. I'm a member of the Charter Reform Working Group. Um, in this article, Commissioner, MTA Commissioner Heinecke jumped the gun. We have no resolution at that working group to sell medallions. Towards the mayor, the mayor apparently doesn't give a damn about the voters. The voters kicked out this idea of selling medallions over and over and over again. Last, by, at Proposition A, the mayor, Newsom, and Aaron Peskin signed a letter that they attend, or they actually promised in this letter, not to change Proposition A. Now it comes to money, he wants to run for governor and screw us up. I'm on the waiting list for 12 years, around place 800, and I will not tolerate that. I will fight that. Thank you. Next speaker. Yes, good evening, Commissioners. Uh, Norma Gear, Yellow Cab Medallion Holder, uh, K, K Medallion. I, I took a walk today. I work four days a week, Saturday 11 hours. I, I mean, at my age, there should be some rest, but there isn't. There's family, and you need to, you know, because anything can happen to our medallion. I can't slow down now that I'm older. I have to work harder now that I have my medallion because it can be snatched from me at any moment. Um, there are a lot of drivers out there who, don't, who have no idea what's going to happen to them. They don't, they don't seem interested. They don't seem to have their own self-interest to the forefront. I mean, if this art, I'm referring to the Chronicle article. It's really, um, it's really dismaying to know that, you know, this matter isn't settled and that uh, after all your hard work, 24 years, trying to stay out of trouble, not get tickets and, you know, not damage the cabs, give good service, not have complaints, you're still at risk, you know, just, uh, you know, one wrong decision and I could end up in the hospital and losing my medallion or, you know, it just doesn't seem right. There's a big. Tr in the, I looked at the Chronicle article and um, online tonight because some a medallion holders called me and told me about it. And then today during my walk, trying to exercise and stay fit, I thought it was the Examiner that talked about cutting out overtime for those well-paid city workers. I mean, w how come? Why does the taxi uh, taxi industry have to foot the bill or bail out? That's the good word. That's the term these days. Bail out uh, the city for their overpaid, uh, overhoured workers. It's, it's just, it's just ironic. Um, also, regarding this long waiting list, is it fair to drivers to make them, uh, to tell them they have to take out a loan and make an investment? They're, believe me, they're all waiting for their first check. You should see them practically jump for joy. Uh, one of my friends took a trip home. His, he sent his wife to Pakistan a few months later after getting his medallion. It's been years since the wife was able to go there. These people don't want an investment. If you sell these medallions, it's going to be the young who buy them. It's going to be the young who can work six days, like my day driver, Anthony, and his cousins and his brothers. They call me and ask me if I'm going to work because they're ready to go six days a week. I did that, too, when I was younger. 
It's, this is really ageist. It's discrimination against um, older drivers. I, I just, I'm very dismayed that this issue can't be resolved due to Kenton Cops oversight and planning an exit strategy. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. So I was uh, I was president at the Charter Reform Committee to uh, a couple of meetings and um, at one of those meetings I asked Mr. Heineke what his um, what his uh, what is his what his interest is in in this uh, situation and uh, uh, you know reforming the cab industry and he told me it was a hobby it's a hobby well, it's 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 our livelihoods but it's his hobby to change things. Uh, his day job, he's a labor attorney, but when you look at his firm's list of clients, um, he's not representing the workers that lose their hands. He's representing the corporations. So I, I see this as just another mission where he's going to carry this over and he's going to take it to the taxi industry and he's going to deprive thousands of drivers of their livelihood. There's about, about 2,000 medallion holders now. In case anybody is uh, kind of mixed up and they don't know what the plan is, uh, this plan that was presented along with three others, right, Paul? Three other plans uh, and kind of shot down, and uh, Commissioner Heineke never called another meeting. That was back in uh, September. There hasn't been another charter reform meeting since then. And then he comes out, this is going to be the plan now. Anyway, the plan, the plan is to have all medallion holders give back their, their uh, medallions to the city, and then you get to put it out on an auction. And, uh, you know, I'm a medallion holder, so I get to meet the highest bid. And we all know what people are paying for these medallions these days. They're paying, they're paying a lot. And furthermore, it could be, you know, the incongruity. I mean, uh, I could, I, my bid for my medallion might be $2,000, and then, uh, you know, Marty's, Marty's matching bid might be $1,000. So it, 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 there would be a lot of uh, incongruity in the plan. It's very, not even, doesn't even make sense. And, uh, and then Newsom in the, in the newspaper says this is going to improve cab service. So I would like to ask him, Gavin, how is bleeding money from the taxi industry, and we support ourselves, we've never asked for a bailout, we've never asked for money from anybody, and giving it to Muni, because uh, Mr. Heineke was very clear about what he wanted to do with the money, he was going to give it to Muni, so you, how is that going to improve cab service? I want him to tell us how it's going to improve the industry. How is it going to give health insurance to drivers, or bring uh, everyday working conditions, uh, bring them up? And Jordana has a problem with brokers. Well, I can tell you that the brokers will flourish under this system. They will flourish. Uh, there was a member of the Charter Reform Committee that told Mr. Heineke, I will fight you to the death on this. If you think you're going to push this through, you and Newsom, and you're not going to get any resistance, well, think again. And I'm saying the same thing. Think again, buddy. You're going to have a big fight on your hands. You want to try this. Thank you. Next speaker. How do we it's buzzing. How do we take something that has right now a static value and give it productive value? How do we give current permit holders an exit strategy? How do we give uh, the majority of drivers who do not feel an investment in the industry, an investment in the industry. To me, those are the, the uh, three of the big questions. And, of course, the fourth is uh, how do we 
optimize service at all times in San Francisco? Uh, I think I have an answer. Uh, I don't want to give you the, the specifics of it right now, but I, I have written, written out what my idea is, and uh, I will be getting it to uh, Jordana in the next couple of days, and I hope you'll be able to disseminate it to the commissioners, uh, and I would love to get your feedback. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. About the news today in the paper, we knew it's coming and it was coming. We knew six months ago it's coming. How it will come, it's not going to be. They are starting from very hard point and they will settle down with the stakeholder and they'll come to compromise. But finally, the sale will happen. When it happened, that's a question mark. Now I turn to the other issue, which is plaguing this industry which caused this taxi commission to finish, a group known as UTW, claiming to be representative of drivers. We would like to know how many drivers are with them, six, seven, eight. Now they filed a lawsuit against the city on December 2nd in the federal court. They withdraw the previous case of overcharging and they went against the city now. City need to defend that case they might spend a quarter million dollar. Where that quarter million dollar will come? When they bill it to the MTA or taxi commissioner, or whoever, of course MTA, they will say, okay, get the money from ACART, more money on ACART. Drivers are going to keep paying, which we have been paying in the past also. Cab companies need to intervene in that lawsuit. When they will intervene, they need to get the lawyers. They need to spend a quarter million dollar too. Where they will get, they'll come back to the MTA and they say, hey, increase the gate. We have more expenditure. Where the money will come? From our pocket. How these people, extortionists, are doing anything goodwill for the drivers? No. They have no vision of the future. They have caused so much damage to the industry, it's unbelievable. We could have settled the limo issue long ago if this group was not there. If they walk out of this room, I guarantee six months after, limo issue will not be on the streets. We are stuck in a mud. They try to bifurcate one commission to me, one to you, and they create issues which should not be there. These issues should be sorted out like a clerical level. And we should be able to manage the bigger issues. We are in a very difficult situation because so far, what happened the last time? We got the more gate because of that lawsuit. Lawsuit was the issue in that legislation. So please understand the future. These lawsuits get nowhere. $90,000 and five-year medallion, two medallions from Walsh. Which driver got money from UTW? We want to know that money. Songi Han, who filed the case with them, he died. Did his family got money out of that $90,000? No. Who else got that money? Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, Mr. McMood um, left out uh, one other thing that UTW is responsible for. I, I think you probably all remember the 1989 earthquake. That was UTW's fault. I mean, just ask him. He'll, he'll come up with 
some explanation about why that is so. Um, let, let me go on to uh, serious uh, matters. Um, this this uh, thing from uh, the mayor out of the blue, um, it's, it's just astonishing. It's, it's really, really shocking. First of all, in terms of the timing, um, this transitional period, uh, you have a, a new um, agency which has a, a huge learning curve on, on taxis. You have a new director who also has a tremendous learning curve and a million things on her plate and uh, trying, as I see, very conscientiously to guide things along in, 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 a, in an ordered manner, uh, take care of the, the, the procedural matters, the structural matters, the organizational matters, uh, maybe go on from there to, uh, to some of the important issues. And then, you know, the mayor decides to throw this, this bomb in, in, into things, basically stealing the stage from, from, from everybody's issues, the things that, that, that everybody would like to, to, to see being addressed um, at, at the MTA. It's, 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 it's terrible, terrible for that reason. It's terrible because the mayor also did sign a letter when Proposition A was on the ballot just a little more than a year ago expressing his support for Proposition K. And this goes to the heart of Proposition K. Uh, uh, transferability of medallions, auctioning of medallions uh, goes to the heart of Proposition K. That, that letter that he signed and this position that he has now taken um, in, uh, are completely incompatible. Uh, then we have what's really behind this is an attempt to siphon money out of the taxi industry in one form or another uh, and inject it into Muni. We are going to be the cash cows for Muni under this. And people will get up here, and I'm very heartened to hear other medallion holders uh, you know, speaking against this because um, we don't know where it's going to land. I have heard two different... I, I have heard two different versions of this, you know, one of which medallion hold, some medallion holders may like a lot, another, another version of it, which they would probably, hey, we don't know where this is going to come down, but uh, however it comes down, it's money out of the taxi industry for other purposes, and we should all be opposed to that. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. I thought this was supposed to be a seamless transition without any controversy. That's what we were promised. I see a pretty big zipper here with a loophole in it. Um, once again, I thought there was uh, also no brokering of medallions by City Hall. I think that's what they said. Uh, once again, broken promises, just like the health care plan. Um, or should I say myth that you keep promoting because that's what that's all you do um, now I'd like to remind this commission about uh, its mandate to conduct uh, annual PCNN hearings I don't see the projector set up here okay then we got it now uh, this if you notice is uh, the 07 uh, PCNN hearing it was uh, issued in 08 but it was the 07 you held two in that year 07 and you added 119 cabs you're supposed to have at least one a year 08 went by 07 you took care of we're in 08. 
We're in 09 now. You're a little late, just like Jordana said before. A little late, but you know, it's okay. Uh, you're also supposed to continue, have a continuing force in between. Don't you want to know what your 119 cabs did? Don't you want to know if it has increased service? Uh, and by the way, uh, what authority does Ms. Thickpen have to replace your mandate of an annual report to the board with an autobiography that will undoubtedly fail to reveal your fault, your, excuse me, your fatal flaws that have led, your, led to your demise? Um, I don't think the report's going to be covering that, but that's why, you, you know, 10 years of nothing. Where are your, you know, if MTA is going to learn anything, they need to know what mistakes have been made and where we need to improve. Um, and if you don't, and if you don't, you know, if it looks like a lame duck, if it walks and talks like a lame duck, you know, it must be a lame duck. Uh, you know, one of the things you did lamely was uh, to ignore Bruce Schaller's report that you hired a specialist in the taxi industry, a professional. Uh, his uh, report said no changes in the four methodologies that you, uh, you know, employ. The, uh, I forget what it's called, but, uh, but you did need to do one little thing. These surveys should be supplemented with a customer satisfaction survey to capture the quanti and quantify the experience of cab rides. Um, uh, customer satisfaction will have the other benefits as well. It will uh, give you the opportunity to ask questions about satisfaction, drivers, vehicles, aspects of service, which all have regular regulatory implications. Implications. Those are all need to be regulated. That's called service. Okay. The gathered data. The, gather you, the data you gather, uh, it, consists, it should consist of demographics, ridership, frequency, and other customer attributes. Thank you. Valuable information to understand Thank you. the public's needs. Is there anyone else who would like to speak? Seeing that, public comment is closed. Next item. Yes, uh, the next item is Taxi Commission versus Tulam, permit number 896, and uh, also P44 permit. 48151 uh, for violating <laughs> can I have some water, we can just wait a second while everybody uh, files out of the room For those of you who are filing out could do it so we can get on with our meeting <clears throat> Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, taxi Commission versus Tulam, permit number 896 for violating taxi cab rules and regulations 4A1, 4A2, 4A3, 4A4, 5A1, 5A3, 5A4, 5C5, 5E1C, 5H3, 5H4, 5H6, 5H9, 5H15, 5H16, 5I2, 5I3, 5K3, 5C2. And Municipal Police Code Sections 1081F, 1123, 1138, 1148, 1147.7, and 1148.6B. And um, commissioners, I have prepared a complaint. Uh, I'll <coughs> excuse me. I have a severe problem with my voice. I will uh, retire here to the the podium so that I can present uh, the case for the department. Okay. So just to review. Uh because we haven't held one of these disciplinary cases for a while. Mr. Owen, are we following our 
procedure of a seven-minute presentation of the case and seven-minute rebuttal and then or seven minutes for the other side, and then a three-minute rebuttal and a three-minute for the other side, and then questions. So okay, we'll have seven-minute presentation of the case, seven minutes for you to present your case, a three-minute rebuttal from our side, and a three-minute rebuttal from our side, and then questions from the commissioners. Well, um, Commissioner, my name is Jesse Ralph. I'm the attorney for Mr. Lamb. Okay. Um, we, we would like to uh, respectfully request a continuance um, of this matter. Um, the... The complaint was was served on a, by certified mail on February 12th. Um, February 12th. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm reading from <laughs> different. Excuse me. December 12th of 2008. Um, it was during the holidays, and and Mr. Lamb was was out of town, and he didn't receive it until his return on the 7th of January. Um, he acted diligently and imme immediately um, made contact with my office. Um, I wasn't able to see him until the 10th, but I did see him, uh, made special arrangements to see him on um, the 10th, which was a Saturday. Um, and what what I can specifically can offer in terms of the of the request for continuance is that much of this uh, complaint uh, relates to um, the failure of Mr. Lamb to make payments under a settlement agreement that he entered into with um, with the commission. And uh, as a condition of appearing before you today, I've, I have ensured that I have um, the monies uh, to make those payments, uh, approximately $694.40 uh, to the county clerk. Um, there, those funds have been deposited. I've been ver ver verified with uh, the bank. <coughs> Um, and that includes the payment for uh, February of, of this year. Um, and that would give me t more time. It's a, it's a quite voluminous uh, complaint. I don't think there's any argument about that. That would give us, me time to address the remaining um, allegations against Mr. Lamb. Director Thigpen, is there anything you would like to say as far as this request goes? Yeah, so um, I've, this is the first I've heard of this council. Uh, I did receive a phone call from Mr. Lamb last week in the office. I advised him at that time to obtain legal representation as I do for all um, individuals facing uh, process from this commission. I advised him of his right to do so. Um, and he indicated he would be here, so I, I confirmed his attendance as well. Um, I guess I don't object to continuing till the 27th um, so that he has time to prepare himself adequately. I would note, though, that um, due to the fact that the uh, settlement agreement was breached by the failure to make payments in accordance with the agreement, we uncovered significant problems in this case. So I would definitely um, differ with counsel's assertion that the only issue or the main issue to resolve is the uh, reneging on the settlement agreement. There are substantial issues present here. In fact, what we perceive to be an utter failure to drive this medallion at all during the 10 years that he's held it, uh, working at Monster Cable and whatnot. So. Okay. I, uh, you know, given that we always want to err on the side of giving people enough legal representation and their democratic due process rights and things like that, I can see that this... Uh, probably would not be harmed too much by a two-week continuance. Um, commissioners, if you have any comments, I'm certainly willing to listen to them, but in the, given what's been presented to me in the last few minutes, my instinct is to continue this for two weeks and allow him to present his legal, or prepare his legal defense adequately. I, I would like to see that happening. Uh, what I'm saying is continuance uh, seems to be a good idea for him to prepare 
and uh, we can go from there. So I'll, I'll make a mo motion. I don't if, think we need a motion. Okay. I can just, if, if there's no objection and our staff is okay with this and this is the request, then I think that's just what we'll do. Okay. We'll continue this. This will be on the calendar for the 27th of January, however. So I want to make luck. sure you're there at this time. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you. Uh, just to know for the record, um, for Council's benefit, really, um, my office maintains records and has an extensive file on Mr. Lamb, um, which is this case as well as other um, documents. So for the record, um, because other councils haven't necessarily been aware of the law about this, but we do maintain those files. The city is subject to sunshine ordinance. Um, you can come in and view them. We're not a DA, so we don't turn everything over to you. So if you would like to have documents, please come into the office, and they will be made available to you by my courteous staff. Thank you, Director. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, and agenda item eight has also been, uh, Director Thigpen, that you want to just explain briefly again that that's agenda item eight? Yes, sorry. Um, I had to grab a copy of the agenda from my colleague. Uh, I'll call item eight Taxi Commission versus Ikaruian. This is uh, interesting. There's a typo on the agenda about the permit number. Um, this is a uh, permit number of an individual, um, which I'm going to find uh, so I can read it. It's permit number 088608. And uh, this individual, this is a rehearing of the case for violations of rules 6A1, 6D1, 6D2, 6D3, and uh, Municipal Police Code Section 1141 and California Penal Code Sections 211, 243D, and 591.5. Um, and uh, this is um, upholding the summary suspension. This is a, su a suspension has been in effect for quite some time, uh, since last June 2008, in fact. Um, this is an action item. So um, basically, this case is on the calendar this evening. Um, as a point of order, I did receive communication from a council this afternoon. Uh, who indicated that he represented this individual. Um, he indicated that uh, he wanted a continuance, and I described and sent him evidence of the detailed notice and procedures that have been employed over the past six months in order to deal with this specific case by my office and by taxi detail. My office has spent significant resources attempting to reach this individual and do outreach to him. Uh, at one hearing that we had before the hearing officer in September, he did, in fact, appear after substantial efforts to contact him were employed over many months. He did appear at that time. And at that time, he, um, their tes testimony went, went forward uh, from the victim and uh, in the case. And, I, and also Sergeant Reynolds presented, and I presented the commission's position on this particular case, uh, which was we were asking for revocation at that hearing. Um, and then uh, Mr. Ikaruian presented himself and uh, after hearing all the testimony, and then he asked for a continuance in the matter and asked for time to obtain an attorney. <coughs> the hearing officer denied that request and asked if there was anything he wanted to say. He gave some testimony, to my recollection, he gave some testimony. And then uh, the hearing officer said, okay, I'll make a decision. After considering it, the hearing officer decided that 
since he had asked for continuance, she didn't feel comfortable making a decision, and she said the commission should rehear the case or another hearing officer should rehear it. Due to our calendar and due to other issues, I decided to just simply bring it forward to the commission for your review. The permit is suspended, uh, so this individual has not theoretically been driving, or if he has been doing so, it's been without a permit since June of 2008. Um, we um, are prepared to go forward this evening. I indicated as such to the attorney, and I also indicated the substantial outreach that we've done to try to reach this individual. We've even contacted friends. I mean, everything we could do to try to get him served with the process. He evaded service. Uh, finally, I decided we just had to try him in absentia if he wasn't going to appear. Today, I did receive that phone call. The attorney informed me that his client had erroneously informed him of the date of the hearing and that due to his client's false statements, he was, in fact, going to be out of town on the eve of the hearing. I indicated I would strongly oppose continuance, but that I would convey his uh, statements to you. He agreed that um, he would be fine with the hearing going forward tonight. However, he, the only thing he asked is that the findings of this commission be adopted on the January 27th agenda. And he indicated that he did not wish to cross-examine the victim, this is the attorney, and that he also had advised his client not to appear and not to testify in the matter. So he, the attorney agreed that the hearing would go forward tonight as far as factual findings for the case. Any questions about that? That. What is it that he wants to do? He wants us to hear this and then make a decision on the 27th. You would have your official finding. You could have deliberations, and then your official findings, however, would not be adopted until the 27th. That's when he can be present, and he would just like to present some mitigating evidence at that time. As far as this, the, I don't want to use the term sentencing, but as far as an administrative discipline that would be imposed on the permit. So he. I was under the impression that we were continuing this tonight because he no. wasn't, okay. No, just, this, just the findings, which, again, no, you, this is very consistent anyways with your prior procedures. You quite often will have a factual hearing, and then you will adopt the findings at a second hearing, a subsequent hearing. So it, it's nothing outside your normal procedure. However, it's my duty to inform you that I had this conversation with the attorney, and that's why the, the defendant and the attorney are not, or the permittee, rather, and the attorney are not here this evening. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and hear this without this person being here, without any rebuttal from the other side. It's just you're going to present the case and, okay. Yes. That I don't know if I like that. Don't I don't feel present. comfortable. You don't actually need to present the case at this point to just submit on the record. Yeah. So well, I think it's important to get it on the record. I mean, it, we have, unless there's members of the public that wish to comment, you know. I mean, I've certainly read this case, and I'm sure the commissioners have read this case. I don't know. Uh, what what are we are upholding a summary suspension? He, this gentleman is. You can in, you can impose. Um, you would impose. You you can impose discipline of revocation if you find that the the facts are serious enough. That's what we asked for at the uh, hearing officer level, is revocation of the permit. We, we felt that these facts were just on the hearing the case on the merits. <coughs> it's not just the summary suspension. This is the final disposition of the case. And why is this being heard before the commission as opposed to a hearing officer and as a normal well, procedure? Some cases, as you know, do go to the hearing officer and some go to the commission. In this case, it did go to the hearing officer. 
but she made a decision which you already have reviewed that decision at a prior hearing her decision was that the full commission should hear it or a different hearing officer should hear it due to the due to the issue with other hearing officers and the timeliness and the holidays and a lot of other scheduling factors I was not able to obtain another hearing officer in the time frame that I wanted so I had to bring it back and in fact at the last commission meeting that we had on this you did discuss it and I believe at that time you indicated that you would hear the full case through the chair just a point of clarity and it may be to you or it may be to our attorney what is on the difference of hearing it tonight without the individual and hearing it on the 27th when we go through our normal procedures of seven minutes seven minutes is that something that will will be doing except they're not here so they'll be doing their seven minutes on the 27th or I mean how does this work now the fact-finding hearing is this evening so he will the only thing that obviously you can give him time it's up to the chair but you know he's only intending to produce evidence he's going to attempt to obtain a penalty for his client that is you know somewhat less it's you know then the Commission is going to argue for revocation what happens in a criminal court even in civil trials you'll have what's called a bifurcated trial and I don't like to use criminal court terminology in here because these are not this is not a criminal tribunal it's an administrative tribunal so as you know I'm very careful to make sure that we don't talk about that type of language but you can take the sentencing and you can have it at a separate hearing and that's essentially what you'll be doing here is you'll be assessing a penalty at the second hearing and and for me this this case and I do remember it it's a I have very strong feelings about this I won't say what they are without going through the hearing but I also do feel uncomfortable going into the 27th because I think we'll be repeating part of the process that we're doing tonight I just feel I have that feeling that that will happen no matter what yeah why don't we just wait until the 27th and do the whole thing if we're going to assume the fact that this lawyer is going to represent him on the 27th I would suggest that we just wait all the way through since we're going to have these same two hearings over again we just put it off until the 27th I don't really want to hear this case and give him that much extra time I'd rather just wait and hear it then and may I may I add to that I know already we have a huge agenda for the 27th already I would like to make a recommendation since we're all here to decide and if you can get the room just a little bit earlier and do these two cases right up front if possible and just put that out out to the side because we do have a lot to do on the 27th I think there's a compelling case not to hear to get into the details this case twice to do it tonight and two weeks from now we wouldn't be doing that though we would be taking public testimony in both of the opportunities both of the opportunities would be no you don't am I incorrect you actually would not this is the factual finding here the only thing you would be doing is adopting the findings the attorney would have a limited amount of time to present any evidence that he believed would be mitigating as far as your assessment of a penalty that would not be factual determination of what occurred on that evening this particular witness I have here this evening to present herself she has been here multiple times she has been to hearings 
at the hearing officer level on multiple occasions. Is she here this evening? She is here. Oh, we didn't know that. Yes. I apologize then. And and that's why I'm insisting, and that's why I insisted the attorney today. Nobody mentioned that. I thought it was just you. Yeah. No, it's not just me. Sergeant Reynolds has testimony. We've all prepared. I mean, that's why I had this discussion with the attorney. I apologize. I had no idea the witness was here. I'm trying to protect the victim's rights in this case. What's really important to us is to have live testimony at these hearings, and if we have people just coming down to hearing after hearing, they're going to be. Okay, please proceed. Thank you. I would feel comfortable, though, having the attorney and driver also being here. That way, I mean, this is going to be happening real quick and fast, and perhaps we have questions, you know, to the drivers. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I feel sorry for the witness, but I'd just like to have everybody in the room so that, you know, we can really take care of this matter. I don't. But I would say from the sworn statement of the witness, I'm very comfortable with the declaration here of the witness. If it were the other way around, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't feel as hesitant if it were the other way around. Mr. Peck, I appreciate your comments, but I think we're going to go forward with this tonight. And so without any further delay, please proceed. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And once again, all of the service that we've done for months and months and months and the opportunity that he had to be here this evening, we have multiple records to support that. So if you're concerned on appeal or anything of that nature, we have gone above and beyond to present it for this evening. So briefly, I will just go through some of the outstanding issues in this case. What we have here is a situation which, thankfully, fortunately, is a very rare occurrence in the taxi industry. And when we see cases like this, we move quickly to address the issues. I will not go, I will not belabor the facts because we have a witness here to testify them and Sergeant Reynolds also will authenticate police report that was produced in this matter as well as demonstrate some evidence. But essentially, we have a driver, Mr. Hakeem Ikaruian. He was operating Yellow Cab 1186 on January 19, 2008. To say the word unsafe is not even close. It's a grain of sand on a beach in terms of his behavior on that evening. And we believe that his permit should be revoked. I will first ask, let's see, I'll ask Sergeant Reynolds to come forward first and to give his testimony. And we'll make it as brief as possible, but we need you to get the full effect of what occurred this evening. Thank you. Sergeant Reynolds. Good evening, and thank you on behalf of the victim in this case. She much appreciates it. In January of 2008, I became aware of a criminal case that was pending in the general work detail of the San Francisco Police Department involving a young woman being assaulted by a cab driver. This victim, in fact, had injuries, had to go to the doctor, and had to receive medical care. The name of the driver at that point was unknown. We had a cab, a color scheme, and we had a number. 
After a short investigation, I was determined, I determined that it was Mr. Akeem that was driving that evening through his waybills and through GPS from Yellow Cab. This case was then assigned to one of my investigators where the victim in this case, Ms. H, was interviewed. And the reason why is she has asked for confidentiality because she is afraid of reprisals in this issue, and so therefore I will refer to her as Ms. H from now on. Ms. H was concerned about her safety, was also suffering from injuries. What we did was we were able to determine who the driver was. The driver was brought to the taxi detail. He immediately invoked that he would not give us a statement. The victim was interviewed. We discovered that during the assault in the cab, the victim had called 911, and we have captured a number of those calls which we would like to play for you this evening so you can actually hear what occurred in that vehicle. Would you rather, if I may ask the victim, would she rather testify first and let's play the tapes? I don't, it's going to create a trigger in her, so I'm just trying to figure what's the most, what would be easiest for her, whether she would want to testify and then play the tape afterwards because it's pretty upsetting. I would suggest that she testify first so that she doesn't hear anything and won't blemish that. Okay. So anyway, an investigation was put together. We attempted to take this to the district attorney for criminal prosecution. The district attorney decided not to prosecute it, but in fact then gave it to us for administrative resolution, and that's when then it was brought to your tribunal in order to determine whether a revocation was called for in this case. Excuse me, can I have clarity on that? I'm sorry, I think I missed it. Is this person undergoing criminal prosecution? The district attorney, a case was developed on this. It was handled as a criminal case. It was taken to the district attorney's office. It was reviewed, and the district attorney made the decision not to file the criminal complaint because there was this avenue of remedy. And was that the only reason that the district attorney said they weren't going to pursue it? There were some issues that I feel it's inappropriate for me to address at this particular time. You might want to ask Ms. H. She has some information as to what occurred in the criminal prosecution of that case, and maybe she would be the better one. So you're not aware of anything? You're telling me you're not aware or it's inappropriate? No, I am aware of some things, but I just don't know. I may come back to you after her. Okay. Can I just ask a question? Yes. Is this gentleman a permit holder, or is he a medallion holder also? No, just a permit holder. Just a permit holder. Yes. Ms. H., would you mind? I'm just asking if you can all bear with me just because this is really hard. Sure. And it's very emotional. And I'm going to try my hardest not to cry. Did you want me to explain what happened that night? I don't think any of us need you to relive this experience. We've all read the case here. I really don't want to have a trial here tonight. Okay. And so if there's anything that you want to say to us tonight, 
that's fine. But as far as going step by okay. step through this incident, we've all read the police report. We've all read this case. We know the details of this. So when I um, was attacked and I was screaming for help, um, there were police officers that came, but. I'm not sure if it was from the 911 call or if the witness that found me on the street, if he had flagged somebody down. But when they arrived, they weren't very helpful. They were laughing and they weren't very sensitive. And so the next day I tried calling the police department to see, you know, who do I, I've never been attacked before. I've never been a victim. So where do I go to get help? How can I obtain a you know police report? How can I, you know, find out what the next steps are, you know, as being a victim to like get help from the police department? So they told me that I needed to talk to somebody and I guess text um I forget a general works. So, you know, I kept calling a general works, talked to a certain officer and my case hadn't been assigned to anybody. And so I kept asking him if he could please help me because you know, it's apparent that I was attacked. I had injuries. The photographer at the police department took my pictures, and he witnessed that I had injuries. I have additional photos here that I brought today that shows the bruising thereafter. And um, I have medical reports. Um, I d unfortunately, I didn't have any witnesses that actually saw him attack me, but I have the 911 tapes. And the officer in general works told me that he couldn't help me. Essentially, I needed to be bleeding. My neck needed to be slashed in order for anyone in the district attorney's office to help me. So he didn't do anything. And so what was I supposed to do? And so if he's making a recommendation to somebody in the DA's office not to help me because she doesn't have a witness. I'm just another victim. You know, obviously, my arms weren't broken, my ribs weren't broken, but I was a victim, and I shouldn't have been subjected to, you know, such behavior by somebody who takes care of, you know, citizens or tourists or anybody, anybody, any human being, especially a female. Um, but anyway, so I, I couldn't get any help. So they said, well, why don't you call Taxi Detail? Maybe somebody there can help you. And so fortunately for me, you know, Officer Reynolds, he helped me, and... I'm indebted to him and the other officer because had I not kept trying to press this for somebody in the department to help me, I would have just been, you know, an anonymous person just being injured, just, you know, and I would have had to deal with it in society. But I'm, I've been in counseling having to deal with this, and it's been frightening having to, to take public transportation and to rely upon somebody, and I'm always looking over my shoulder if he's going to be there to hurt me because he's a very angry individual. I mean, every time we come to court, he's always glaring at all of us. And he has such an attitude, but yet we keep giving him another chance, or the system keeps giving him another chance to delay it further so he can continue doing this to other people in society, and I don't think it's fair. You know, and I just, I just feel that he shouldn't be driving, he shouldn't be working with people because he's, he's a danger. He's a danger to everyone, even himself. And I just feel I've done nothing wrong, and I was only trying to defend myself, and had I not defended myself, I could have been dead. And so, I don't know what else to tell you, but I have pictures. I went to a hearing where they um, took a transcription. He told his side of the story, but he didn't realize that we actually had the 911 tape, so he told an elaborate lie. And so the next time that he had to show up for a hearing, 
he basically said, I wasn't given any notice, but he was. And so he lied and he said that, you know, Jordana wasn't doing her job, but that's not true. And so any attempt that we have to meet here in front of all of you, he makes excuses. Then he says, I have an attorney. But honestly, I've, I understand that he has a bad record. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it because I'm not privileged to certain information, but, you know, there are things that... If you saw him in person, if he was here today, you would you'd understand. When you hear the tapes, you'll understand what I went through, and it's not it's not fun. And I don't know how long it's going to take. And every time I come here, I have to relive that event over and over again. And every time we delay it further, I just feel like justice isn't being done. And so I carry a restraining order with me because I'm afraid that he's going to come after me somewhere somehow. And I just I just I beg of you to please just take him off the streets and don't let him do this. So anyway, I have the transcripts here. And if there is an opportunity where he does come and he says, I, you know, I don't remember this story or I need my attorney to tell you, it's because he's lying. He needs to figure out another story because I don't know how he could avoid what the tapes, you know, what the tapes say. I mean, it's just, it's there. And I'm just... I can't keep going through this over and over again. I need to be able to move on with my life and heal from this. And every single time I feel like I'm making progress, I have to come back to court and I have to relive it every single time. So. Okay, well, we don't want to force you to relive anything more tonight, so if there's anything else that you would like to convey to us. Did you want these items? I'm not sure what those are the transcripts. These are photos of my injuries after, um, after I was attacked, so you can start to see the discoloration where he, um, you know, grabbed me by my neck and was strangling me and then he threw me to the ground, so. Um, I don't. And then these are the transcription reports from um, the first time that we had our hearing. Um, I have a couple of questions, but is she done with witness? Questions for you me? Witness? No, 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 no. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> to our staff, uh, number one, is there a medical report on this? Um, there was a medical report, but um, we did not include that with the packet because it contained, um, you know, confidential information about um, Ms. Ms. H, and we just we decided that that was not an appropriate thing to do, so we did not include it. But a medical report was made and does exist. Yes. Well, I would not know what it says in the medical report. I mean, well, I, I feel like it is important to kind of. Know that I think we had a similar case before in terms of the medical report, you know, having part of the packet, and we don't have it here. Uh, I, I don't mean to continue this case uh, to just like having you go through another ordeal of coming here one more time. I mean, I'm very sorry on behalf of everybody that if you had to come here many times, and we're not just delaying for nothing or uh, ha making a continuous for nothing. We are responsible for making a decision 
that is uh, that is fair for everybody uh, as you if you understand why uh, I don't want you to feel like we were we, we have we did not make you wait or waste your time and I'm sorry I, I just want to apologize if you feel that way uh, do you understand what I'm saying okay 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 that's that's all I want to okay th okay that's what I want to say and also, uh, uh, yeah, when the attorney comes uh, from the other party next meeting, then I guess we will have a fuller picture yeah, of tonight what, is what this involves and what it means. Because we're also talking about li livelihood of, of one taxi driver. Um, I, I don't mean that. I, I don't mean to protect him or anything. But if you understand what I'm saying, mm. I understand what you're saying, Commissioner. Mm. And uh, I think the reason that I felt we needed to go forward was because there was this person just seemed like he wasn't going to show up here tonight, no matter what we did. He was given. He was told that this was going to be held tonight. Well, if that person, I'm sorry to cut you off, but if mm. that person's not going to show up next meeting, that's going to be it, right? But he, he called, or his attorney called today, you said? So somehow there was a connection. And there's a reason why he hasn't been able to call with all this holiday being in between. I mean, so I, I'm just, I, th I don't see this case is going to be any kind of complicated, but I would feel comfortable like we always do. Having I would also feel comfortable if he was here. Yeah. I feel that we have invited him here. He knows that this case was on the agenda tonight, and he chose not to show up. But and his attorney I'm, I'm, chose I'm, not I'm to sorry, show up. Commissioner Duval, you mentioned something because there's a witness and there's a restraining order, so he can't be here. Is that? Well, I, I mean, no? I've read that there, there was a restraining order. There is a restraining order, but whenever there's a public hearing, there's safety, there's security here. I mean, public hearings are public hearings, even when there's restraining orders. But is he aware of that? Is that driver aware of that? He's been served you know with saying? Yeah. If, if I may, through the chair. Um, I, I have a feeling that, um, first of all, as I said before, I feel very strongly whenever, especially a woman taking a taxi cab does not feel safe taking a taxi cab. I feel very strongly if that situation occurs, it's got to be dealt with. I want to make that clear. Um, we've already decided to go ahead because um, we had half the party here tonight and to go ahead and hear half. I think what I said was going to happen is going to happen. I will, will tell you right now, I will not feel comfortable making a finding so that next week is going to be a finding. I will be comfortable hearing them separately so that they're not in the same room together, which appears to be a comfort level issue. Um, but I, I don't think I'll feel comfortable even as strongly as I feel about this type of an issue without having given the opportunity since the call came in, as Commissioner Pack said, um, and just hearing it. So that's where I am tonight. I am glad now, however, to prevent any further discomfort um, that we he we're hearing this tonight and, of course, would not prevent both parties from being here next time, but then it would be an option rather than a necessity. Okay. 
Okay. Have you completed your presentation, or? Well, as I understand Commissioner Breslin's comments, and again, I mean, I understood as from your comments at the beginning that the factual finding is today, the quote sentencing or assessment of penalties would be at the next hearing, which again is in accordance with your prior decisions. If, as Commissioner Breslin suggested, you are going to take further evidence and not consider the factual findings closed in this hearing, then we will reserve time until the next hearing, and we will play the tape at the next hearing, because I do not want this victim to have to come down again, and that's exactly what I informed the attorney. I cannot tell you the lengths to which we went to serve him with process and to have him appear today, and as she points out, it's continual delay. This has happened for months. And that's why we've already made the decision to go forward with hearing everything that there is to hear tonight, so that's why I'm asking. Including his comments, then. Including he lost his opportunity to present, so the factual finding is closed as of tonight, right? Yes. Okay. So then we would want to play the tape for the record, then. Wait a minute. I'm convinced that he's been given every opportunity to be here tonight, and he's not here. That's my only point about my ‑‑ I also have a discomfort when there's only one side, but if the person knows that this hearing is tonight and he hasn't asked for a continuance, he's just basically ignoring it. But I thought his attorney did ask for a continuance today. This is the second request. I understand, but that's what happened today. They were finally notified by his attorney. He ‑‑ his ‑‑ no. No. Actually asked for a continuance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine, then. Right. Sure. But we don't have to do that. We can make a final determination tonight. You could do that, or you could accede to his, the attorney. You know, I indicated to the attorney that I would advocate that he be allowed to present some mitigating evidence at the next hearing, and that mitigating evidence would solely be on the issue of the penalty. It would not be towards the substantive nature of the proceedings at all, or the incidents that occurred, rather, on January 19, 2008. Well, see, now, that's something I'm not following. Now, okay, I understand. Now, in two weeks, there's not going to be the seven‑minute, seven‑minute, and then three‑minute and three‑minute rebuttal. Okay? Everyone understands that, right? That's what I heard. Okay. So, now, what ‑‑ now, I'm doing what you said you don't want to do, is I'm thinking of law and order and all the TV crime shows, or the same thing like O.J. Simpson. That's a good example. They had the case. Then he came back later and made a statement to get some leniency on the sentence. Exactly. Now, that's all that this individual is going to be doing the next time, right? That is correct. That's what I presented that the attorney had agreed to and that Commissioner Gillespie agreed to at the beginning of the hearing and said, this is it. I'm in my capacity as chair. This is the hearing that I wish to have. So that's why we presented evidence tonight on the facts. You can deliberate on the facts. You have, you know, the facts before you as well as witnesses, and you have direct evidence of the 911 tapes. And then you can make your findings, your official findings. And I can draft different proposals for you based on your deliberations tonight, and you can consider them at the next one. Just as in a death penalty case, not to use this analogy, but I don't know what else to use as far as common knowledge, if someone's being sentenced, or O.J., it's a good example, he can say, 
you know, when I was five, I had this happen to me or what whatnot. This is what happens at these types of hearings. They present mitigating evidence as to why right. they should it, receive leniency. It has absolutely nothing to do with the case in front of us. Exactly. What they're going to talk about. I have a, one procedural question for you. If, uh, in fact, we do decide to revoke his permit next week or mm -hmm. two weeks, uh, does this come under that same classification that he can go before the appeals board and then actually maintain his permit until such time? Or can we also revoke his permit and continue the suspension you for can cause? Yes. Okay, then I suggest that and you should write up an option for that. I would, I would, well, if without... You, if you revoke the permit, then the Board of Appeals would have to decide whether or not to continue the suspension pending the proceedings there. It's not something you have the... Can we recommend uh, it, though, in our, yes. in our revocation? You can recommend it, and, yeah, I won't say and anything about any what happens if we recommend to continue the suspension? Is there any... I mean, he's not driving. It's an A card. It's not a medallion. How long can we continue his suspension for? Uh, it would be pending the appeal, and then it will go to the Board of Appeals for review, and I will make a strong case that it remain in effect for public safety reasons. And the reason I'm asking that is, to my knowledge, we, we have never sus suspended or, I mean, never revoked a permit or a medallion uh, for something that has criminal um, sort of issues surrounding it unless criminal issues were filed. We've always suspended pending the case being resolved. Um, that's to, to my history. But Well, again, this, this is not going to be pursued by the district attorney's office because they felt that there was an administrative remedy. So please don't think about the DA's office because that's a completely separate agency with a different burden of proof and different procedures and different witness requirements, et cetera. So you're, you can act independently and don't feel constrained by anything that the DA's office may, may or may not have done. I, and as much as in my heart I believe the um, travesty um, that I've heard tonight, I also don't have the balance to that. And if a suspension accomplishes getting him out of the taxi cab without having to say we're, we're revoking a license. I mean, if he's suspended, he can't drive, right? But you can't just take away a license on a suspension and leave a person indefinitely suspended. Well, that's what I asked just about two minutes ago, and I was told we could. That's so. what no. That was predicated on revocation. Okay, yeah. predi yeah. okay. All right, sorry, misunderstood you. And if you suspended him for a set period or indefinitely, that case could also go to the Board of Appeals. So yeah, and this, this may be a, an awkward question, but would our decision here have any uh, basis in further civil litigation against uh, each other? Um, anyone? Feel free. Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> Sorry, we were consulting. Would our decision here tip the balance in any future litigation that might occur between the two parties? I, I, we can't comment on that because we are merely administrative players here. We, we only deal with these permits. We make no uh, statement regarding any civil liability or other matters. Okay, these are just questions I have. By not ruling on the revocation tonight and holding off until two weeks, uh, we also are continuing the suspension, though. You, you could make that finding this evening. We should you do that, that tonight, vote. then. You can make that vote. I mean, that's what we should be doing also tonight. 
And we're going to close down all the fact-finding after this. So I'm interested to hear the 911 tape. Yeah. Thank you. Good call, Commissioner. Just one question was on the 911. Is her name on the 911 tape? It doesn't show up on her? Okay. I think I 
speaks for itself. Um, so that's, that's all we have in this matter. I'll just state right now I'm very disappointed we didn't ask to do this in, in closed session. Very disappointed right now. I should have thought forward. I had a I had a hard time making out what that was all about, that 911 tape. I don't know if other commissioners did, but I had no, a... No, I, I, I have no idea. I really had a difficult hard time, time figuring out what was happening there. I think part of the problem uh, might be that when you dial 911 from your cell phone, it goes to the highway patrol, doesn't come to our department. And so it's routed afterwards. They send help that way. Isn't that right, Ron? Yeah. It, uh, it's not a direct line to San Francisco Police Department when you dial 911. It goes to a different area. So I know it goes through the Highway Patrol. And that's why there's lots of times there's a delay sometimes with it. I have a just, sorry, yeah. just for the record, we can't do a closed session. So I, I considered that. Obviously, these are not pretty pictures that we want to put on about the taxi industry, which it's our, part of our duty to safeguard and protect the taxi industry, but also to safeguard and protect the public. And believe me, I, I, I don't want to work in a, in a department where this kind of thing goes on or where this goes on on my watch, certainly it's unacceptable to all of us. And I apologize, Commissioner Breslin, but unfortunately I did actually ask. There are no grounds to hold this in closed session under the Brown Act. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. I do have a question, though, about the tape so, um, or about the 911 call. Yes. 
So they have it all date stamped for the time and for the location. I mean, all that stuff has all, all been verified? That is correct. What happened was when we got this investigation, um, I contacted um, communications, which is now um, Office of Emergency Services. I then requested through the formal chain to get a... Um, a um, Transcript, maybe? A, well, not no, they don't do transcripts. Okay. They do the tape. I did, in fact, transcribe this, and I can get the transcription when I took it to the district attorney's office. Um, uh, but this is a certified copy from the custodian of records from communications. And since the district attorney has refused to prosecute this case, all of this now becomes a matter of public record because there is no longer a criminal case. So anybody can go and get copies of this. There will be no protection under the Sunshine Ordinance. Okay. Can I follow up with just one more question? Absolutely. So on the certified copy, yes. they state this call came through at such and such a time, and can they pinpoint location? That's all I'm asking. No, they cannot pinpoint location. I think that there is something in effect that can triangulate it within a certain area. Whether San Francisco has that because it goes from the switch from CHP to SF, I, mm -hmm. I, I am not sure of. But again, how we were able to triangulate it was we used a GPS from yellow, and we put the cab in that location. Okay, so you did verify. So, right. And, and um, the call, they had a time in on That it. is correct. And, and, and what you heard was her first calling. The, the call originated from inside the cab. Uh, she, was then, uh, she then left the cab. The driver got out of the cab, assaulted her, put her down on the ground, took the cell phone out of her hand as payment, went back into his cab. She went back into the cab to retrieve her property, she was able to retrieve it. Neighbors started hearing the commotion outside. Lights started coming on. The cab driver fled the area, and she was on the ground. And then the last call you heard was a good Samaritan coming to her aid. And her phone was now broken from the struggle, so he had to call 911. Um, by the next meeting, I can get those transcripts for you so you can hear exactly every word. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <clears throat> This incident happened on January 19th, 2008, and it says that Mr. Karium was summarily suspended by the tax detail on April 30th, 2008. That is correct. That's three months later. Yes. What, why, when did you first get this case? It was just about the end of April. Let me put it to you in this terms. In, in the six years that I worked in sexual assault, there are some people that believe that women, when they voluntarily consume alcohol, put themselves in harm's way, and that whatever may be, may be. And it wasn't until this case was finally brought to me at the end of April, and I could get the exact date, that the taxi detail started to do the investigation, and when I got the 911 tapes, I felt the same response that everybody here felt and felt that this has to be taken farther. And that's why then we opened the case on it ourselves. We presented it to the district attorney ourselves. I mean, we have testimony directly from Ms. H. here tonight that the police who arrived on the scene did not take her seriously. In fact, she testified here tonight that the police laughed at her. That has not been the first time I've heard claims like this. 
I was not at the scene. And and then so you get it three months later. We issue a summary suspension three months later. The next paragraph says Miss H suffered physical and psychological injuries from the trauma. Do we have evidence? Do we? Did she go to the hospital? Yes, she did. Okay. And she's also. She has suffered physical and psych, psychological injuries, injuries on this. And again, this is being used against her, and that's why we are trying to not re-victimize her on these crimes. It's the same thing that we would do with sexual assault victims is, again, we try not to make them the victim over and over and over again. And that's the paramount, is to try to protect them and give them as much support necessary so they don't have to go through being re-traumatized. And I, I can't tell you how many times uh, this young lady has had to tell her story um, trying to get some justice in this case. So the justice is coming about because you have taken an interest in this case. I mean, it sounds like to m that that's what's happened here, that the initial people who investigated it showed no interest, the DA showed no interest, and you I don't have think that's fair, interest. Commissioner. What I, what, what I think is there were concerns. There were concerns about when a case goes before a jury of 12, the, it's, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. That is the burden that they have to prove to 12 jurors, is that there could be no question in these cases at all. It's a hard burden to prove. That's why we have a very low success rate in a lot of these cases. So they will look for other means to try to adjudicate the case to get justice. It came to the taxi detail. We are also part of the San Francisco Police Department. The general my my question though is why did it take three months for it to come to the taxi Because nobody detail. told us about it for three months. Also because, you know, the way it works is if cases are sent to a unit within um, the, uh, you know, the, the police department, then that's, it's going to go for a criminal investigation first. Unless someone sends it to Ron's unit, he's not going to know about it. There are hordes and hordes, hundreds of police reports produced every day in the city of San Francisco, a city of that size, right? So Ron's not going to hear about it. They'll send taxi-related cases to him and limousine-related cases to him. They're not just going to automatically send it there, though. It's going to take an officer sitting down and, and realizing, I mean, there's also thousands of officers. So... It's, it's but in a, in a case of a serious assault, wouldn't you be contacted relatively quickly in that case? No, not necessarily. No. I mean, when Grasshopper threatened the woman in his vehicle, you were contacted that evening, right? That is correct. We were. Okay. I was not contacted for months after this event occurred. And from what I understand, it was the persistence of Miss H., that, that push that, that, that the department needed to do something and that's what I'm took. that's what I'm getting the sense too what what is the uh, superior court case there's a Hennessy versus a Karui in in the superior court what is yeah, what is she, that case? she obtained a restraining order and the civil court judge in the restraining order in the harassment case which is not a, a uh, beyond a reasonable doubt standard a judge makes that decision based on testimony from the parties he did present himself there, and the judge granted the restraining order against so him. So we have evidence that he's been harassing her subsequent to this incident. I don't, I don't know what happened at that hearing at the restraining order. All I can present you with, I don't have a transcription of that. All I can present you with is the fact that a civil court judge did issue a restraining order, and found that there was cause to do so, which is, a, you know, those are high, 
It's not easy to get a restraining order. As we know from the incident most recently with Mr. Rahimi, for example, only a personal conduct order was issued in that case, despite evidence of threats and harassment. So these are not easy to obtain. I mean, someone gave me this a few minutes ago. This is the transcript of the, the proceedings. Um, so, so I'm sorry. With my apologies, you do um, actually have their But I haven't had a chance to read it. Yeah. Um, okay, just to move this forward, uh, are there any other questions? I have one, one more comment. It's more a comment than a question. And I see that um, I'm thinking that it's here before us with the, the I'm not going to say the wrong type of information, but the information that I don't think is something that we can decide on without the other person, without a criminal case. But what I do see here is that the municipal police code says, in the case of disagreement between a driver and the passenger of a motor vehicle um, for, for hire, uh, relative to legal fare to be paid, driver shall convey the passenger to the nearest police station. Well, there was a disagreement about the direction, about extra fare charges, and this individual apparently did not take her to the nearest police station. So in those cases, there can be uh, revocation for good cause. I don't think I'm prepared to comment on whatever perceived um, violence or situation happened to the individuals here, but I, I think there is enough evidence here that the driver was at the place and left her in a place where she was not supposed to be left. Um, and that's kind of a route that I would tend to go rather than trying to pass judgment on what actually happened out on that street or in that cab that night. Does the driver have any previous uh, criminal record or anything like that? We were not able to um, find any prior evidence of discipline on this particular permit. I cannot speak about the criminal record because I have no idea and Sergeant Reynolds is not allowed to disclose it pursuant to, um, you know, state law. So. We, we can't speak about a criminal record. That's not that's not material because again, you're an administrative tribunal. Okay, you're focusing on the permit. I don't any have record that it's gonna be unsafe to public. I would argue record. that the the facts, as alleged and as testified to, demonstrate a that uh, that yes, this individual is not safe and not fit to be on the road, and that is why my office was especially interested in, um, you know, trying to obtain some justice here on this matter. And we did attempt to interview him. He would not submit. He evaded service. We wanted to try to get his side of the story because that's what we do. All right. But he, yeah, that'd be helpful. Well, but he would, this has been going on since June. And he mm. will not submit. He evaded service. We've given him every opportunity. He presented himself at the hearing, and he was aggressive at the hearing before the he prior hearing officer. I, there's nothing more I can say about his conduct. I think it's, it speaks volumes that he's not here tonight and misinformed his attorney, whether deliberately or accidentally. The fact is he was provided more than ample opportunity to present himself and give, quote, his side of the story, and he failed to do so. Can you just again tell us why the hearing officer heard this case and decided not to make a ruling? Because uh, what happened was he, he showed up. Everyone showed up. Everyone was ready to go. Uh, we were, you know... He never called us, contacted us for a continuance. Had he done so, of course, to avoid any problems, we would have granted it to him because, you know, you see what we do. We, we've learned, you know, this is our procedure by now. 
Um, so then uh, he, the hearing officer, he came in, and the hearing officer um, said, okay, we're ready to go. We had testimony, and then he listened to the testimony, gave testimony of his own, and then said, I want an attorney, I want a continuance. And the hearing officer said, well, okay. So, you know, she waited um, to make a decision, uh, I believe five or ten days, and then she made a decision after considering it and decided, you know, he did ask for a continuance, so I'm going to go ahead and ask that somebody else rehear it. And that was her decision, and I'm not going to comment on that. The you commission did hear, did have that decision, and I explained those circumstances to you, and then you said, okay, go ahead and we'll, we'll rehear the case calendar at Jordana. And I think I even said at the time, I'd have to go back and watch the video, but I think I did say it would be on this calendar in January. In the meantime, we frantically attempted to contact him. I had Tamara calling his friends. We had all these people at Yellow Cab looking for him. Um, Yellow Cab told me several things about his case, which are not material. No one from Yellow Cab is here tonight to present on his behalf or against him, uh, I might add. So that's what we have. Okay, so where are we at right now? Right, We've heard all the findings then? Yeah. All the evidence? Okay, I'll make a motion that we continue the suspension and reserve our uh, final uh, decision until his representation is here, even though uh, his representation won't be providing any new findings. It'll be simply uh, whether or not we want to uh, revoke or continue the suspension or do whatever else we were going to do on the 27th. Okay, but uh, just uh, to make sure, you, you'd said until he's here, but you mean until until this date. If until the 27th. If he does not show up on that date, On the 27th, we go I, forward. The next, okay. our next commission meeting. Okay, so just to restate, we have a motion to continue the summary suspension, and pending the ne our next hearing, we'll make a decision on the final. No, no we're not going to have another hearing. No, we're not going to have a hearing. No, he said hearing. <laughs> agenda, uh, the next agenda item. It'll be agendized for the adoption of the findings, and at that time we can make recommendations about any other Maybe punishment Tom. besides a, besides continuing the summary suspension. I'm going to ask Tom to uh, help me with the exact specification of what I want to do. I think Tom understands. Um, motion to um, continue the suspension. <laughs> Calendar the adoption of findings for the uh, public comment. Sorry. We have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? There's a public comment. I want to have discussion between us to make sure we're clear on it first. Yeah, I'm I'm not particularly clear on that. I, I understand the suspension continued to the twenty seventh. That I'm fine with. What I'm not clear on is we have not adopted any findings, so it's not to to proceed with the findings, uh, we so haven't we have adopted any findings. Well, we have adopted findings. Say that's the evidence. No, Say we haven't. No, we haven't. You haven't adopted findings. That's what you're going to do on the 27th. Yeah. Right. So we've we've had a discussion here tonight that will allow our staff to develop findings that we can vote on. No. Yes. I don't see how they can develop findings. I will. Uh, what I took away from. Commissioner Benjamin's motion is that there would be a suspension, and I, you would, I would have two different ones. One would be for revocation. One would be for continuing a suspension, and I'll put a blank line, and you can fill in. You know, you can discuss how, however many months or years or whatever you want to continue it, and you will then discuss which version you want to. That's what he just said. Yeah. 
Okay, are you clear on that now, Commissioner? Yes. The, the, it should be repeated that the other attorney agreed to this uh, yeah. findings for tonight and not including whatever he's going to present on the following uh, commission meeting as new findings. These, his presentation will simply be to uh, influence us as to what we recommend from the findings we are hearing tonight. So as far as it, hearing anything else, we're not going to. I, I would just say, um, in, in order, I, I would not want the reasons for our findings, if it's to revocation or whatever, to, to be uh, stating opinions at all, uh, because, uh, as I said earlier, I am not clear on the, re the reason that I would approve for a revocation. Okay, I... I I think one path is wiser than the other for myself. Maybe uh, for the um, findings, I can just write in all the violations alleged in the complaint, and then you could just cross them out, whichever ones you that like. That is so perfect. Great. Thank you. Could you also put in some either reasonable or historically common suspension periods? You said it was going to be a blank line. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I'll just put a blank line and then I'll put years and then months in parentheses and you can cross out whichever one you want. Um, as far as historically relevant, you can have discussion on that. That's a, I can maybe include a little history with prior ones or something that might, on a separate document. Yeah. Well, on that, uh, now part of this is that they're going to be a transcription of that tape on this. Did you want us well, to provide you with a transcription of the 911 tape? I, I want, well, we, we can't. I don't think I, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't need it. If you're closing the findings tonight, it would, while you do have the right to subpoena documents, it would. Well, how does, how does the tape, uh, how does the tape appear on what we just did? Um, it's part of the record of, of this evening. If someone wanted to read the transcript, I guess we could provide it to you, uh, if you like. Well, that's what I, I'm okay. Sorry. That's what I'm getting at. Is is how does that become a part of the permanent record, as far as what we just did? Is I, I think it has to be sure. written. Okay, then you can request a copy of it, and then officially request it, and then we'll provide it to you. Okay. <laughs> Now? <laughs> but am I not mistaken, you want that written copy as part of the record in the files of the commission oh, records? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what, what I think you were saying. I think because I had a little troubles with parts of it, too. Okay. Okay. We clear on this? We have a motion and a second. Public comment. We'll take public comment on this for one minute. <coughs> Good evening, Commissioners. First of all, with all the feelings for this young lady, whatever she has stated, but when issue comes to justice, there are two things. If you pursue the money in life, I'm not with that people. If you pursue the justice, I'm with you. There are questions in this one. They say, this person is drunk. I'm not speaking against her, and I don't know her, and I don't know the other driver even. But for you guys, when you will look at the case in details, 
that she was drunk. The police report shows, and it also says that 19th uh, Avenue and Kerkum, Judah, where he dropped her, she could have walked away. Why to go back, have a fight over there? I mean, it's one minute I cannot explain to you. There are ten different discrepancies I see in the statement. So please, uh, you read yourself the whole book. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? <clears throat> all this, um, commissioners, although this d driver was banned in San Francisco, and I think it's, it's fitting based on the description of what's taking place, it seems like he did assault the woman. He drove around the block to jack up the fare, and the fact that he left the scene of the crime are big issues in this business because those are basically violations of a moral intent and conduct. So I think this guy should be banned. But also, you know, you can drive a taxi in Daly City. You can drive a taxi in Oakland. You can drive one in Santa Clara County, San Mateo County, the moment you leave San Francisco if you're banned. And this commission has no authority to ban him anywhere. And for the most part, if he's a taxi driver by nature and couldn't find a job anywhere else, he could be driving in another county right now causing the same kinds of problems he's counting he caused here. And you don't have any authority whatsoever to do anything about that. And I think those are problems that you should look at. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Sergeant, would you like to? Yes. Um, I'll just take my one minute as a personal comment. Uh, two things I'd like to bring up. Um, to be a taxi driver in this city, one of the things that you have to be able to do is deal with people that have been consuming alcohol. There is nothing against the law on drinking alcohol. And if you are rude, if you're, if you're angry, and I'm not saying that's the case in this, being a cab driver, you have to know how to deal with somebody. You have to be able to know how to handle them, how to talk them down, and to treat them properly. So if violence occurs because a person is intoxicated, I do not believe they have the qualities to drive a cab in the city. Second of all, when she was down on the ground, this driver went and took her phone from her and went back to his cab. That is robbery, taking the personal property of one from another by force or fear. And that's what happened, and she would not have gotten her phone back unless she went back and retrieved it herself. Thank you. Okay. Um, so this is going to be on our calendar for the 27th. And we have, no, we have to vote on this. No. Pardon me? We have to vote on this. Oh, that's right. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Next item. Next item is adjournment. Thank you. Thank you.